Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Flagship Podcast with your host, Joe Lanza. This show is so good that I would rather listen to my own show that I recorded an hour ago in full then listen to that. These, what they, these people don't know what they're talking about. And they're paid professionals. And Rich Preach. Then, then you listen to other wrestling podcasts. Now. Except for the ones on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. All those are good. But every other one stinks. And we are live on the Flagship Podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How are you? I am doing great. The last show of 2022. The last show of our, our 10th year, right? Didn't we celebrate our 10th anniversary earlier this year? That uh, seems so long ago. Entering year 11 of this show. Good God. This would be the 11th year of the show that we just completed, right? Oh, man. <laughs> so we had our we had our 10th if, anniversary. Did that signify? Two, uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, right. If, yeah. because if 2012 was the first year, this would be year 11. Ah, okay. That we're completing. We're completing, ten, we're completing year 11th, entering year 12. Right, because we did the correct 10th anniversary. We didn't do WWE-style <laughs> yes, anniversaries. Yes, yes, you're right. I hear Which here are, I am yeah. being Michael Cole. I've been, I've been corrupted by my youth of... of of Michael Cole and Vince McMahon telling me the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania is WrestleMania 25. When no, in fact, it is not. It's the right. Okay, you're right. But mo- most of their fans are so dumb they don't know the difference. <laughs> myself so, included, they, apparently. So yeah, I uh, yeah, I've 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 lost myself into WWE math. But yeah, there we go. So we are entering our 12th year uh, of doing this. Just dumb show this is the worst show ever but it's also the greatest show ever so uh, now i'm putting myself over as so smart was i sitting here counting on my fingers yes i was <laughs> maybe yes <laughs> just yes, to make I sure was. you didn't also sound dumb and then we had somebody in the chair go actually uh yeah. it is yeah no there you go so that's uh, the swink yeah <laughs> poor the swink off to a great start already. <laughs> Bearing our fans. Our show sucks. We don't know how long we've been doing it for. Yeah, it's growing great. Yeah, it's, it's, WWE it's... fans are dumb. <laughs> yeah, We're just... <laughs> well, you know what? Hit them all. Bingo card. The bingo card will be full by the end of the year. If you're uh, if you're playing along at home with a uh, flagship bingo, you're uh, you're you're filling up quick. I'll tell you that it is. Uh, yeah. Someone's gonna make. Someone should make that one these days. It'd be pretty funny to see what they. Oh, are. people have people have made those in the past. I know that. Um, uh, 
one of our uh, listeners, Suplex Berry, made one one time. She made one, and um, other users have made those as well. That that was probably two or three years ago. But um, uh, every now and then, that topic comes up, and people come up with a uh, flagship bingo card. So now that we mentioned it, we're going to get flooded with them over the next week. You yeah, know and that, that, and right? that's that's fine. That's okay. I, yeah. I, I think yeah. we'll and, so, and the best of the best will will we'll emerge, and we'll know. We'll all know which the best one was for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this, this, we, we hit a bunch of them already. <laughs> We're, uh, we've definitely, uh, hit them, but yeah, it's gonna be a fun show tonight. I think we have a lot to get to, uh, here. We of course have wrestle kingdom 17 coming up in just a couple of days here, January 4th. Uh, we got to preview that show top to bottom as we always do. Uh, dragon Lee signs with the WWE, a, a, a pretty, a decently big story. I'd say, uh, for, uh, of, of dragon Lee announcing at a uh, triple A's night of champion show yesterday, uh, that he has signed up with WWE and will be joining uh, NXT in January. Uh, Dragon Gate's Final Gate, you and I both watched that, their Christmas Day show. Uh, Noah's got their New Year's show, uh, highlighted by Kito Kiyomiya and Kano, uh, as well as the great Muda and Shinsuke Nakamura. A double main event, uh, Joe, as we'll touch on. Uh, if you're trying to trying to think, man, I, which one, I wonder which match is going to go on last. Well, they've announced it, and you, come on, you know which match is going on last. <laughs> it doesn't take a genius. If you've listened to this show or you followed Noah in the last two years, you know goddamn well which match is going on last. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, uh, and then Rev Pro's Uprising show from uh, well, last week, week or two ago, two weeks ago. I forget exactly when the date of that show was, but uh, we're going to cover that uh, show. We both watched it. Uh, a little check in on Rev Pro to finish out their year, uh, which I think has been an up and down year for Rev Pro, but I think ended up on a pretty good note with a, a pretty fun show, uh, Uprising. But uh, I do want to start this week's show, Joe. With a brief, we're, we're what we're going to do here. Actually, I say brief, but we're actually going to spend two and a half hours uh, recapping. Yeah, brief, well, brief. I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible. We could, we very well could spend all three hours doing a recap of the year that was 2022, one of the most insanely weird, crazy, strange years uh, in wrestling history. But I think we could try to keep it brief, as brief as we can possibly keep it, uh, for what it was just an insanely, insanely, insanely big year with tons of stuff going on, crazy things. I mean, you read some of these like year end lists and like, Hey, the biggest stories of the year. And like Vince McMahon resigning in shame, the most powerful man in wrestling resigning in shame. Sometimes doesn't always appear like first. Sometimes it's like third. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, it should always be first, but like, again, it's just crazy how sometimes it, it it's cause it's been, there's been so many other random things that have happened this year. So I wanted to at least touch on a little bit of what a chaotic year uh, this has been so we can try to f- unpack and, and, and kind of re- recap, I should say, uh, what this year has brought to us in wrestling. Overall, though, what 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 are your generalized thoughts with the, what the year in wrestling has given us? Because it just feels like it's been it doesn't feel crazier than usual or just years always just crazy these days. And it's just we have to kind of get used to it too. with two major wrestling companies. It feels like this is more commonplace, but this year felt a little crazier than other years, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you have Vince McMahon resigning in shame. And that's the biggest pro wrestling story in a decade. So yeah, ever maybe. that <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one of the biggest pro wrestling stories Which, of all time. Not, not to interrupt, but it, I think it is kind of laughable when I see these lists and it's like brawl out. Number one, number two, Cody joins WWE. Number three, like Roman reigns in the bloodline. Number four, Vince man retires. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like yeah. number one, biggest story of the year of all, like almost of all time is the most powerful man in pro wrestling history resigns in shame that has to be number one on your list has to has to has to let's okay but let's discuss why people say that why they don't think that's the biggest story 
I think because number one, brawl out without question garnered more headlines and garnered more attention from the very specialized wrestling media right or wrong. It did. And the reason for that is backstage drama, particularly of that magnitude is going to take precedent over of the Vince McMahon story because the Vince McMahon story, and I'm not saying that's right. And I'm not saying that brawl out will have more future impact on the business. Obviously the Vince McMahon story is the biggest story in wrestling this year, but to a lot of these wrestling news sites and to wrestling fans, the Vince McMahon thing doesn't tick the box of backstage drama. And that's something wrestling fans are always going to be attracted to like bugs to a lamp. So, and and you can't get much more dramatic than the situation at brawl out and the press conference and all of that. Whereas the Vince thing is more of a hard news story. And also let's face it. A lot of pro wrestling fans like to follow the backstage drama and inner workings of wrestling, but they're not as interested in the business side of wrestling, which, you know, the Vince story on top of being a hard news story, because, Oh, by the way, he might've been a serial rapist also has more impact on the hard business side of wrestling and the future of the company and what it means to investors and those sorts of things. And that's just not as interesting to Joe wrestling fan. Right? So I think those things in combination made it feel like Brawl Out was a bigger story. And in some ways, Brawl Out was a bigger story to a certain type of wrestling fan than the Vince thing. But there's no question that the Vince McMahon resignation is the biggest story in terms of long-term effect on the industry and impact and the fact that the greatest promoter in the history of wrestling and the most influential person in the history of professional wrestling had to resign in shame because he might be a serial rapist. Right. And it forces them to like the thing with the brawl out is ultimately like a lot of it is kind of a most people kind of joke around about it or laugh about it a little bit. I mean, there's some people that get real serious about, oh, the the locker room and all oh, the the the, you know, and, and this sort of stuff. But most people kind of like to poke fun at it or enjoy enjoy the more hilarious aspects of it. Oh, who bit who who did this? Who You know, and the Vince stuff, you can't really do that. Like you said, it's hard news and it, it makes people confront truths that they probably don't want to confront. It makes people have to, you know, they, they like just kind of, you know, having ha ha time or aggregating some tweets as a headline or whatever. Whereas the Vince McMahon story forces you to really dig deep into this guy's past and really forces you to, to maybe address why you haven't been aware of some of the things that came up in Vince McMahon's past and why maybe you are, are taken aback or, or surprised by some of this stuff where others are not. And it forces you to, to, to look at Vince McMahon in, in a completely different light and, and forces you to look at the company in a completely different light and the leadership structure of that company in a different light. And a lot of people aren't really ready for that conversation. We saw throughout the year, a lot of people weren't. And they just, that, the, the fact that that story kind of tailed off at any point that story should have never tailed off that story should have never i mean why is the wall street journal still the only like reputable news source that i've seen do anything about that story any sort of follow-ups any sort of next level i mean it it, the vince mcmahon thing came and it was giant and it was big and it was like a giant explosion in the wrestling business and then a couple weeks later 
it was kind of business as usual. Triple H is booking. Okay, let's look ahead. Or hey, look at the you know look at the improvements. Look at this. And 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 the idea and the conversations around. Whoa, what the fuck was going on in in that guy's company? And what was that guy doing? And why? What were what were that guy's leadership and 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 you know people handpicked uh, people in the office or whatever? What were they doing there? And why were they getting away with it? And wh- how long was this going on for? Nobody was really ready for that conversation. And nobody. And it was clear. And it's just kind of to me. I I can't say I'm shocked by it, but I'm just. I don't know. I, I I guess I sort of expected this in a way, but I also kind of expected this to be a big moment where everybody kind of took a deep breath and went, okay, now we got to get serious about this. And people really didn't. I mean, ex- with the lone exception of a few different people, your David Bixon spans, your, your, you know, your Wall Street journals, as I said, a lot of other people just kind of went with whatever the next sexy story was going to be. And then Brawl Out happens. And now that's the story that, that people just can't get enough of because it's easy. It's, it's more palatable. It's, it's for what, you know, it's, it's messy drama, but it's messy drama where nobody truly got hurt, you know, more in in a big picture way. Whereas the Vince stuff is so icky. And so just, I don't know. It, it, I think um, I wanted to believe that people would report on it better, but they just, you know, well, I mean, Vince resigned and kind of cut the legs off the story, number one, because a major part of the story would have been, is this guy going to stay or is he going to go? Well, he went. Um, And number two, it really exposed the amateurism of wrestling, of the wrestling media, because I think a lot of these people were just afraid to touch it. Um, They don't want to say the wrong thing. Quite literally, some people Um, saying they were afraid to touch it and they didn't want to because it made them feel bad. Well, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, well, there's well, okay. And then there's that aspect of it, which was going to be my third thing, that there's a lot of Vince McMahon hero worship. If you remember the aftermath of the Pat McAfee interview, it shined a gigantic light on the hero worship of this man and how so many people in the wrestling media just hold him in such high regard as this legendary figure who they have so much respect for. And I think if I think a lot of these people, a lot of these absolute frauds in the media, if they were given th- truth serum, I don't even think his resignation and some of the, the stuff that has come out, the light has changed their mind regarding that, which is uh, kind of shitty. But I, I unfortunately, I think that's the truth. So I think in some cases that people didn't want to go heavy on the Vince story simply because they don't want to. First of all, they don't want to they, they, they don't want to bash WWE too hard and they want to continue cheerleading that company. And number two, they hold Vince in high regard and they kind of want to sweep that kind of story under the rug and not, not necessarily sweep it under the rug, but, uh, you know, maybe not hound on it as hard as as as, as they just, could just not and, treat it with the severity that it is. I mean, this guy, they're was, not equipped to either. Right. And, and honestly, yeah. they're not equipped to you want Chris Van Vliet to really do that. I mean, what's he going to you know what I mean? I mean, you have got and there are guys like him who just do. Uh, entertainment tonight style. You, you want Denise Salcedo to go in on. I mean, these people, that's not what they but, do. But you there's have to too many of those and not enough David Bixon spans. And that's the problem in, in today's. Correct. That, right. And, and then you can a lot list of 17 different names of, of, of that window of, of that pocket. And I keep going back to the same two names, you know, in the other pocket, you know, right. your Dave mean, Meltzer's, yes. your Mike Johnson's, your Wade Keller's, David Bixon spans. I'm running out, you know, I mean, there, and there's I'm f- not even and I'm not even sure someone like Mike Johnson's equipped to handle a story like right, this right, other right. than reporting hard facts, which he does very well, um, you know, but the rest are and, and a lot of these other people that run sites are they're they're amateurs. And I don't mean that we're amateurs. I don't mean that as necessarily a, a slight. It's just a fact. And 
and and there's and you don't have these sites don't have the financial backing to protect themselves if right, they right. And, that, and that is a big and, thing and that's a bigger thing than a lot of people want to address i mean that that's we ran into that a lot during you know the the, the days of speaking, speaking out, out where people were like hey that. i want to do this or i want to write that i'm like ah, dude i don't this is just us. Like we're just a bunch of do- dopes running this stupid website. Like I, I can't get sued, man. You know what I mean? Like I can't. Yeah. Y- y- go on your own personal blog if you want to write all about how this guy raped this person and how you think that. Knock yourself out, man. But I'm not. I'm not putting myself in in litigation for this. You know, that's not what we do here. Yeah, I mean, we 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 talked about it on the shows and and addressed it and everything. But again, there's situations like that where you know, we don't have we don't have a lawyer on retainer. We don't have backing of a, of a, of, we don't have a support staff of a, of a, you know, of people who, who vet a, yeah, the a legal team. Hey, we, and, we run this article by our legal team and see if it clears. No, I'm the, you know, what I mean, like you and I are the legal team. I'm the legal and team. We're kinda, right? yeah, and we're kind of, yeah. And we're kind of drifting off course because I don't think anyone expects voices of wrestling to dig deep on the Vince allegations, but there's certainly sites out there that, you know, um, you know, that, that, you think that do report hard, but they're just not equipped for this. And I think that's part of the reason too, that it may have felt like not quite as big of a story as something like brawl out where nobody in the wrestling media is afraid to report any whisper. They heard about that because what's you're not, there's no fear there. There's no, there's nothing to be scared of. The worst that's going to happen is Tony Khan or a wrestler is going to come into your DMS and call you an asshole and say that you're a liar or that you got something wrong. you know, and these sites are willing to deal with that, you know, and, and, and they're equipped and this is, it, it just, it, they're two different kinds of stories. And, um, and, and, and one is simply more attractive to the common wrestling fan than the other. If Vince came back on raw or SmackDown tomorrow, they would, he would get a standing ovation and a thank you, Vince. Chan. Yeah. But and we all know that no chance in hell would play. They'd cut to the fans doing the bows. And then, yeah, he he the the he'd have the microphone. He'd be choked up, and the as the music dimmed, he would start hearing "Thank You, Vince Chance" for sure. I'm positive of it, positive of it, hundred percent positive of it. Yeah, that's absolutely what would happen. And anyone who thinks it wouldn't is absolutely out of their minds. So people just want to have a see no evil, hear no evil thing, and speak no evil when it comes to Vince. And you know, but in terms of a real world story, I mean. That's a big real world story. In the real world, nobody even knows what brawl out is, or or what happened, or that okay, some wrestler isn't coming back to you know that that it's meaningless in the grand scheme when it comes to that. Maybe you could extrapolate it to whether Warner Brothers Discovery gives them a new TV deal or that they lost their biggest star. Okay, from that perspective, maybe. But uh, but yeah, the Vince story very clearly the number one story in wrestling this year, and then brawl out would probably be number two. Yeah, and and obviously mentioned brawl out as 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 a big time one. Um, Tony Khan purchasing ROH was it set the stage for a very important last couple of months for AEW. A very you know interesting last few months for AEW as they try to navigate you know pushing that uh, uh, promotion, trying to get a TV deal, you know building to final door or, or final uh, battle, uh, all that sort of stuff uh, going on in the last couple of months of of AEW, but. I mean, a big time thing, him saving, you know, Ring of Honor. I mean, if Ring of Honor, had he not purchased it, I mean, I don't know. Where 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 is Ring of Honor right now? If 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 he doesn't purchase it, I, I don't know. It's either it's it's well, it's it's a video library under the control of Paul Levesque is what it is, uh, more than likely. Or if someone else had swooped in to purchase it, 
it would promptly be out of business already because as we saw, if Tony Khan can't get a television deal, some newcomer with no track record wasn't going to be able to get no. a television deal. And without a television deal, there you know, it, it essentially is going to struggle to exist unless it's owned by a billionaire who can put it on a stream, who can park it on a streaming service for a little while until the next round of uh, negotiations come up, which is what's happening now. So to answer your question, if Tony Khan hadn't purchased it, it would uh, it would be dead. Whether it would have died immediately if WWE bought it or whether it would have died later because someone else gave it a go is kind of immaterial. At this point, it would be dead. Um, you know, he, Tony Khan ran three really excellent pay-per-views, I thought, with the ring. And those were the only three Ring of Honor shows this year. I thought the pay-per-views were all very good. They had three of the best matches in wrestling this year with the Briscoe FTR matches. Um, he failed to secure a television deal. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer, he didn't even attempt to shop it elsewhere, even though he had the right to. So good on Dave for doing some journalism, which those absolute idiots in the room that night didn't bother <laughs> even attempting to do. No, that's I'm still disturbed by that. I'm was, still that was annoyed an by bad. it. Yeah, it was an all-time bad. The best part of the entire thing was him just prodding for somebody, please, to he ask him about New Japan. Ask. Please ask me about negotiations and New Japan. And no buddy asked <laughs> i mean tony tony must have said a half dozen times in his long <laughs> diatribe i value my relationship with with uh with my television partners the most important relationship i have because he was he he thought someone was going to ask whether he negotiated outside of and then all of that bluster was to set up him saying no because as i said i respect uh, Time Warner, Discovery Time Warner, so much that I right. That's what he was doing, of course. And then, and then nobody even bothered asking the question. Well, the point here is, in the Observer, this it was either this week or last. It doesn't matter. Dave got the answers. It was he didn't shop it anywhere else. He only shopped it to his current television partners, which is an interesting play by Tony Khan, because maybe he could have gotten some shitty TV deal somewhere and offended his new overlords that are running. You know, Time Warner uh, is it Discovery Time Warner? Time Time Warner Discovery. I think it's yeah, Time Warner whatever. Discovery. Yeah, Time Warner. Sure, I'm TWD. sure it's, it'll change names in a year. I'm sure again. So whatever. Yeah, they'll merge with Viacom or something, <laughs> right. and it'll all change again. So so you know, and, and he's gonna wait it out and see if he could sell it as a whole package deal with 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 all elite women and and the reality show that they're filming and all of this. So it's an interesting play on his part. Um, but yeah, that's also a major story this year. And um, as someone who was a huge ROH fan during certain incarnations of uh, of its of its timeline, I'm happy that Tony Khan was enough of a wrestling nerd to keep it alive. I'm looking forward to it rolling out next year and um, and and following it, and then eventually, you know, I think eventually he'll get it back on TV uh, in some form. Maybe he'll get impatient with with Time Warner Discovery, and then eventually shop it elsewhere. Once he's done walking on eggshells and he feels like it's safe to do so, you know, so um, at this point with a set of new overlords, he's not familiar with. Maybe he just doesn't want to offend people and and feel like he's trying to compete with them or, you know, and compete with themselves. And maybe he needs to establish relationships there first. But um, great pay-per-views. And, and ultimately, it's probably not worth it either to, to do that. Like, you know, whatever value you were going to get from a Ring of Honor TV deal, which, let's be honest, was probably not going to be super, super valuable. You just wanted somewhere to put it because you wanted to, you know, be able to something. Like, you know, you weren't going to try to turn a, a, a huge, huge profit with that TV deal, but you just wanted some money to, to air it somewhere is all you were looking at. But 
do you want to do do you want to really piss off what could potentially be your big giant bag of money that you can get for AEW? You don't. You, you know what I mean? Like you want to kind of wait and 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 if that is the case and and you know if if Discovery does eventually decide or, or Warner Brother Discovery whatever does decide uh, to re-up with AEW now then it makes it a little bit cleaner to, to, to just get both of them involved in it and get, and get Ring of Honor on whatever channel you know you want or whatever one of the side channels but I, I agree ultimately I think it was probably a better idea just to say and, and just to wait it out and just say you know what it's, it's not worth getting a shitty TV deal to piss off what could potentially because because that will kill you. That will hurt your company. You know what I mean? That will hurt slash kill your company if if, if you Discovery says, Yeah, we're we're good. We don't want to really we don't want to re-up with you guys. We're good. You know, you kind of pissed us off and we're 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 moving on. That can kill or, or hurt that company completely. Nothing yeah. I mean, right now, does it hurt or kill ROH that it's not on a, a TV? I mean, it doesn't help it, obviously, but ultimately you just you stuff it onto a streaming service for a little bit and then you know you come back at it in another year or so and see what see what happens. But you definitely do not it- do not want to piss off your overlords right now. Not a good time. It is Warner Brothers Discovery is the official name of the company, by the way. Warner Brothers Discovery, WBD. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, what else we got on this? So, uh, I mean, I guess here? we 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 do have brawl out. I don't know if you really wanted to touch on that anymore. I feel like I am not relitigating that. <laughs> we've, I, we've done I, that a thousand times. There's a so. lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke to the fire that maybe Punk can come back next year and. Um, all I would say to that is I would never rule anything out in pro wrestling. No. You cannot rule it out. We don't even know the details of his departure. We don't even know whether he's being paid or not at this stage. It would be very easy if he wasn't terminated to just bring him back at some point if you're paying him anyway. Um, we have FTR bald. And by the way, that was originated right here by this guy. I don't care what anybody else says. It's not like I care a lot. Uh, who ultimately gets credit for this. But, <laughs> yeah, you do. Yes, you do. I mean, look, I co- I've coined a lot of things over the years, and I never get credit for any of them, so I'm, I'm kind of over it. But this one, absolutely, 1 million percent was me. I was doing that bit on the Thursday Dynamite review. At the time, it was Thursday TV reviews, because when they came into the company, I could not keep Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler straight. I could not keep it's straight, which was which. So to simplify it for my life, I began referring to them as FTR bald and FTR hair. This had to be, this was when they first came in the company. Okay. Uh, the very first FTR bald tweet is from which account, Rich? Uh, it is from the Voice of Wrestling Twitter account. And what do some of the replies to that tweet say? I'm like, trying to what, get it right now. I'm trying to get it right now. Here. You don't need the exact words. The point here is, the reply to that very first FTR ball tweet that was ever sent out on Twitter uh, were people referencing the fact that I had been using that. Right. Phrase. Stop using, stop calling them that. How can you not tell who they are? You know, <laughs> why, why are you still not able to see you know, who they are? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, us. I had been I mean, using that from the jump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I couldn't get their name straight. Cause I just couldn't, I didn't know which was which. And I couldn't even remember the names Dax Harwood and cash Wheeler. And um, so, you know, and then, you know, Dan Housen tweeted it like a year later. He's in our orbit, Rich. That guy's in our orbit and always has been. You know, some wrestlers are in our orbit and some are not in our orbit, right? Uh, he was someone in our orbit. I could see it. And then CM Punk said it on TV at one point um, or, or in a presser or something. I know CM Punk said it at one point, but that came from me. Okay. The other people can pretend and claim if they want. That came from me. <laughs> yeah, January twenty eighth, twenty twenty one is the first FTR bald tweet. 
uh, you saying the Jungle Boy versus FTR Bald was excellent. And then uh, uh, a reply says, since he had a good singles match, can you call him Dax now? And you say it's part bit part. I still can't get the name straight. So obviously it's been yeah. a bit for a while there at that point uh, yes. in January of 2021. So some people are are share. I saw some people sharing like, you know, May of 2022. It's like old fucking news, guys. Year and a half old at that point. The FTR Bald thing. So when did they debut? That's when I said it. Uh, I mean, FTR debuted. In, yeah, I was going to say that we might have to go to the audio. We might have to go to the tapes one of these days. I'll, I'll go. I'll go listen. I'll do it. Yeah, no I mean, that's that's whenever they debuted. Like a week later is when I came up with it. Just to just uh, May twenty seven, two thousand twenty twenty two, uh, twenty twenty, May twenty seven, twenty twenty. Yeah, so uh, I had been doing it at least six months before that tweet <laughs> because I that's how I kept track of them on on the on the review because I couldn't get get their name straight anyway. Um, and then I just kept it because, you know, we do a lot of silly shit like that here. Um, this is a very serious podcast, Rich. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um, so anyway, my point was, you know, he made a plea for these four guys to sit down and work it out. And, um, I think most people realize FTR is very much on friendly terms with, with CM Punk. But listen, I know for a fact that there's people in that company who don't give a shit who's right or wrong. Don't care about any of the drama. And really wish that all of these guys were just back in the company, including Punk, because they like Punk. They don't give a shit what the beef is between the Punk and the Elite because it's none of their business. And, you know, they liked having Punk around because Punk was good to a lot of people. Absolutely. And and look, there's people in that company who hate CM Punk and don't want him back and would probably cause problems if he did come back and, and make us think. I'm not saying that those don't exist. They do. But there's also punk supporters, flat out punk flag wavers like FTR. And there's also a huge conglomerate of wrestlers. And my personal uh, interpretation of it is it's mostly the younger wrestlers who are indifferent on the drama and just wish everybody was back because it would be best for everyone. And punk was good to them and watched all the darks and gave people feedback. And it seems to be the older wrestlers who are just tired of punk's bullshit. Are the ones that that right. they like. probably they've they probably dealt with this at least two or three times. Like if you were an early yeah. ROH guy, you've dealt with it three times. If you're in WWE with him, you've dealt with it twice. And if you're, you know, those those people are just like ah fucking again, dude. <laughs> Come on, like you're just never gonna yeah. be happy. They realize this guy's probably never gonna be happy. Whereas the young guys are just like ah, you know what? Ah, you know this. Yeah, but I, I get, I totally get the 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 people, the old ring of honor. Like, can you imagine Samoa Joe's just gotta be like, dude, fuck off, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's probably like, and I don't, and I don't know for pe- sure. And before just, people and before. Before people run the Reddit, he's just making an example. I'm just making an example of a guy around. who's who's seen the ups and the downs of a CM Punk over the last 20 years, and it's probably just like, come on, dude, just like like. Well, we know that Jericho doesn't like him. There's yeah. one that you can use. I mean, so it's like it, it, that. My interpretation is the older wrestlers have had enough of him, have had enough of Phil, and look, the younger wrestlers. Look, here's a guy who pro- who's watching Dark. He's he's giving him unsolicited advice and help trying to help him. He's buying him fucking Starbucks gift cards. I mean, to them, he's just all right. Also, the company made a lot more money when he was there, and they were selling out buildings like crazy, and TV ratings were up. So, yeah. Which also was a nice little uh, (laughs) caveat to the whole thing is, wait a minute, our business is exploding. So, that's pretty good. And And there's a bunch of wrestlers there who probably really wanted to work with him, who grew up watching him, and were excited to get in the ring with him and work a program with him and all of that, and that got taken away from them. So, and I'm not saying that's the majority of the locker room. All I'm saying is there's people on every part of the spectrum in that locker room regarding punk and you cannot write off a return in pro wrestling. Okay. Because at the end of the day, as we've seen a million times, whatever's best for business 
is is always on the table. And I think everyone would agree that CM Punk coming back would be very good for business. Uh, you know, even the the biggest Punk detractors yeah. would have to concede that at this point. Um, now, would I be wary of the guy? I mean, you have to be. We were wary of him to, to begin. You know, you know, he's gonna fucking do something again and and blow everything up. I mean, that's who he is. That's who he is. And the people who don't want him around are ultimately going to be right if he comes back. Okay, we all know that. But it's like a ticking time bomb, and you hope it has more time on the fucking counter this time around. It's basically if if you were to bring him back. But we'll see. But yeah, obviously, enormous story. What else we got? Oh, for sure. And I was going to say, if they are true pro wrestlers, they would at some point be open to the idea of everybody getting in a room and and, and trying to hash it out and trying to say, all right, look, we don't have to like each other. We can hate each other's guts, but for the next six months or the next 12 months, let's do this and let's all make a shit ton of money. And then we can all go our separate ways. and We never have to speak to each other ever again. You know what I mean? Like get in that room, get everybody you need to get in that room and say, look, I know we all fucking hate each other. I don't care. We're all going to make a lot more money if we just do this thing for X amount of months and, 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 and just hash and we don't have to like each other, but this is the what's you know, quote unquote, best for business as the term goes again. So they would, they should all be open to that. Like Dak said, they should all be open to at least sitting down and having that conversation. And ultimately at the end of the conversation is no, fuck you, fuck you. No, fuck this guy. Fuck. Then, okay. Then, then, then you try, but you got to try. You have to at least try to offer up. Let's get in the room and let's see if we can hash this thing out. You have to, because that is what's going to make everybody the most money. Uh, sit down. It's what you're asking yeah, for here. Yeah. Just, you know, An old school mafia sit down. Yeah. Right. Get in a room. Yeah. It could be a big table. Maybe make it a big table, you know, just in case. Maybe not a small room. Maybe, you know, maybe a big table and one, you know, Punk's camp can sit at one side and, uh, and the Bucks and Kenny can sit at the other and Tony could be in the middle. You know what I mean? Put, yeah. To- you want to bring Colt can- there? Bring Colt there. He could be like three fourths of the way down the table or whatever. Big table. It's a big table. A lot of chairs. Rich. It's got to have like 20 chairs. You know, none of the, only like 10% of the chairs are occupied, but you need the chairs there in between just in case. This is not for you, Rich. But this is for a lot of listeners. You just can't have TK pull a little Carmine and say your friend Colt, whatever happened there, because then it's all going to blow up. <laughs> right. Okay, so that that's not for you, Rich. That's for some <laughs> listeners are going to pop for that. If the big seat listens, he's going to pop for that. But you have your sit down. Just don't pull a little Carmine and don't bring up Colt Cabana. That's all. All right. Uh, other ones, uh, Forbidden Door. Remember that show? That was a pretty good show of uh, professional wrestling action. Uh, a completely wild build to it as as Punk got hurt in the build. They had to completely change the entire card. Everything had to go around. Uh, and the end result was essentially, uh, I don't know, one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views of all time. So worked out pretty good. And uh, Yeah, I, it's just, I think that was just a, a very interesting story of the New Japan AEW relationship. One that felt impossible. Uh, when AEW began and then obviously cooled off and cooled off, cooled off to the point where they did a joint pay-per-view in America uh, that blew the fucking house. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible show, all-time great show, especially given all the ups and downs and, and bumps in the road to get there. Uh, they got there and they delivered just an incredible top-to-bottom pay-per-view. Yeah, Forbidden Door was a gigantic, massive, glowing neon L for a lot of people because a lot of people were convinced it was going to fail. Uh, all of the injuries and the the strife leading up to the show made a lot of people who were excited about it even think that it wasn't going to work. And then they drew a million-dollar gate, a sellout crowd, uh, did a ton of pay-per-view buys, did incredible business to the point where it's now being added as a fifth pay-per-view on the calendar. So 
Forbidden Door was nothing but a massive success. And oh, by the way, it was the best pay-per-view in wrestling this year. Um, Sports Illustrated readers just voted it the number one pay-per-view of the year. Your boy Stat Guy Greg, not happy about that. I don't know if you saw that. He was apoplectic with the idea of Forbidden Door being the best pay-per-view of the year. We got to work the cheap heat in here as we usually do. And Stack Guy Greg was not happy about this. He was not so happy mad. As an understatement. He was so bothered by it. Yeah, his wrestling know. sensibilities were were, were were violated by the the very idea that people would think this is the best pay per view this year. Well, what, it was funny war games. He was listing. He listed war games. Yeah, as he an listed option. war games. Joe, we watched <laughs> war that. Games. Like, even if you wanted to say WrestleMania, okay, the WrestleManias were fun and good, and SummerSlam was fun. War games, war games. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, Stack Guy Craig. War games. Yeah, I can't believe he name dropped war games. War and games. Then he, he also name dropped. WrestleMania either night and night two it has like a six on cage match <laughs> like that that wasn't a good show like what are we, what are we doing um yeah stack guy Greg is 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 not happy about this um he said that there's no way Forbidden Door was the best show of the year by any metric <laughs> first of all what metrics is he looking what what are these metrics that we're not um, like are there metrics that determine what the what's he using i would imagine by using, like raw pay-per-view buys if we're talking about people purchasing on pay-per-view i mean AEW definitely beat any AEW pay-per-view beats any wwe pay-per-view so all right well, let's go down the metrics okay paper pay-per-view buys pay-per-view buys forbidden door beats any wwe show because it's not even fair because they're ple's now and they barely run on pay-per-view but that's a metric right that's a metric uh, yeah how about cage match ratings? Would you consider that a metric? Uh, sure. Let's go with it. Yep. Forbidden Door currently has a 9.26. Pretty good. The highest the highest rated WWE pay-per-view, Clash at the Castle. Oh, so it's the not, Castle. Are you sure it's not War Games? You want to double check that just to make sure? It is, in fact, not War Games. I'm looking at it now. Is the uh, Clash at the Castle event or whatever that was called. And that's a 8.22, hmm. Rich. and eight, No other WWE that pay-per-view this year. Is less than 9.2. Yes, and no other WWE pay-per-view is over the eight barrier. They're all seven or lower okay. for the rest of them. So there's a that's a metric, right? I mean, yeah, I would consider yeah, the cage yeah. match ratings a metric. How about this metric? The voters for the SI best pay-per-view of the year poll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 51% of the people at Sports Illustrated who felt it was better. Yeah, so I, I don't know what this guy's talking about by any metric. What he means by that is, by my opinion... This was not the best pay. There's no metric. What metric is he citing? There's no metric. There's no metric, Rich. No, he's very angry about this. And, of course, he named all WWE shows that would have been better. He didn't name any other AEW shows. He didn't name a big New Japan no, no show. No Rev Pro York Hall show that he felt was a little bit better. No. Maybe he liked one of those Impact fucking <laughs> Hard to fight kill. Yeah, he really liked. He really liked Emergence. He really liked Emergence, but felt that, you know, maybe it should have gotten some love. Yeah, maybe Noah running Budokan or something, or maybe he really liked, uh, you know, nothing like that. Maybe he liked GCW would, The World. Yes, right. right? Yeah, without the O, yeah, yeah. Yeah, without the without the vowels. <laughs> yeah, right? uh, yeah. But no, no, all all very mediocre. Cage of Survival. He wasn't a huge fan of Cage of Survival this year. So. No, he did cite SummerSlam with like two good matches and a bunch of filler. He did cite that as <laughs> war better games. than Forbidden Door. He said War Games. <laughs> Yeah, war games so bad. <laughs> um, yeah, very gotten to. Oh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, listen, 
WWE put out their top 10 wrestlers of the year and had Seth Rollins number one. Ugh. Okay. Spoiler alert. Apologies to Alan, who, who works very hard on the FSM slash Voices of Wrestling 50, which is coming out when, Rich? Next week? Uh, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Got to get the uh, the finalized list from Alan, but uh, uh, hopefully uh, pretty soon. I, I Of course, I don't vote in it, neither do you, but... Um, uh, hopefully the, the secret the, panel. Yes. The secret, the secret panel. panel will be done compiling their secret list and we'll figure out who the secret number one is. So spoiler alert oh. and apologies to Alan. Seth Rollins didn't even get a vote. <laughs> I'm actually looking let right alone, now. I'm looking right now. If anybody said, Hey, 50. um, cause I'm privy to the email conversation. Even though I don't vote, they at least let, let me in on the conversation. So I know how to, did he get it? Listen, I know he's not in the top 50. But did he even get a single vote? I don't think he, he may That's have gotten a vote. Or I'm trying to figure out right now. Yeah, he uh, so he was on three ballots. All right. So he got three votes. Average rank was 27.7. So a little, little higher than one. Highest so, rank, 20. Somebody ranked him 20, and that was the highest. And a it, and the rest of the voters didn't even, <laughs> he didn't even make the list. Which, you know, if I so was making here a is, list, Joe, just to let you know, if I was making a list, which of course I do not. Uh, right. I would not rank Seth Rollins in my top 50, no. If I were hypothetically making a list, Rich, which, of course, I <laughs> am not part of the secret panel, I, too, would not have him in my hypothetical top 50 list either, uh, Seth Rollins. But Sports Illustrated, Barrasso, had him number one. But that's not enough for Stack Guy, Greg, to have. <laughs> he needs that show of the year, too. The, he just went fucking ape shit over a non-WWE show, somehow winning best major show of the year even though rave reviews like even the most ardent skeptics of AEW were like oh man that that hit it out of the park that show was fucking great so um they just want it all rich they want it all they can't they don't want to share a crumb and by the way that barrasso list was fucking garbage okay <laughs> i didn't even look at it i just assumed it was i at this point i just i saw seth rollins one and i just I clicked out and said i'm, I'm good I, I think i'm okay masha slamovich number 10 mm. Ma, masha slamovich is the 10th best wrestler in the world rich well i'm sure well then i'd imagine if she was the 10th best i can imagine all the uh you know i, I i've been you know keeping one eye on on, on the joshi scene this year uh, I'd imagine that uh, top 10 must be filled with other uh, Joshi wrestlers then. Uh, not a single oh. Joshi wrestler on, right. the, on okay. the top. Well, weird. Um, so she's the highest a... ranking woman of the years is Masha Slamovich. No, 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 no. Bianca Belair oh, and Jamie oh, yeah, Hader were on the list. Of course, of course. And Jamie Hader were on the list. But here's what Masha Slamovich was. I'm going to tell you exactly what this was. Justin Barrasso does not think that Masha Slamovich, nice little wrestler, by the way, was the 10th best wrestler in the world this year. This is what this was. It was the number 10 spot. It's totally political. He rubbed his chin in those Sports Illustrated offices, sitting next to Frank DeFord and, uh, <laughs> and, and Dr. Z, right? You're trying, you're trying to think cubicle. of... of <laughs> yeah, he's sitting in a cubicle in between Frank, Frank DeFord, DeFord and Dr. Alive. Z. I'm currently looking if Frank DeFord is alive or not. No, he's not uh, dead. He's tough dead for yeah, he's a tough kid these days. He has been dead since 2017. So hopefully he's not sitting yeah. next to Frank DeFord. That'd be weird. Dr. Z is dead too. <laughs> Dr. Z, but, I think, died in their 90s, but, right? But Rich, if 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 you can name a, a current Sports Illustrated uh, writer, more power I to you. cannot. I, so yeah, I, I, I cannot. Ken Rosenthal or something? I don't know. Uh, I don't think he's there anymore. They uh, they they pretty much gutted their entire staff. So I I, I 
do not know any well, currents. Well, he was Fox. He was Fox anyway. True, true. Um, yeah, I don't know if I... Man, that's that's a great question that you bring up is I don't Who's know. their baseball? Jonah Carey or is he in prison? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah he's he's in prison. prison. Yeah, I think he's in prison, yes. Beating his wife. He's never getting out. He's going to be in jail a long time. No, nah, it's a bad dude. Um, yeah, bad, bad, bad dude. Real bad dude. Those stories are horrendous. Let me just um, hide my books that I have from him. Great writer, but uh, yeah, not great. Yeah, um, yeah, not great yeah. at all. Rich, you're canceled. Join, join the club. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, here's what Jack Barrasso McCallum. Did. Jack McCallum's still there. Jack McCallum. Jackie still McCallum's there. there? Not uh, Jackie McCallum. Jack McCallum, the uh, old guy, old 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 white dude wrote the um, wrote the uh, Dream Team book. Who's Jackie McCallum? Who am I? She, thinking you're of? thinking of Jackie McMullen. Jackie McMullen, the Boston yes. basketball writer. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Part of that whole Jesse Collings thing, like he's pals with all them uh, McMullen and. And of Bob course, Ryan. All, it's and all the Boston people. Bill Ugh. Simmons. Ugh. He watch he watches football on the weekends with all of them. Did you know that? He's no, like in yeah. with that whole crew. Mm, yeah, they just sit Boston. there and Bob Ryan with his weird teeth. His teeth <laughs> well, have- well, well, I've interviewed Bob Ryan before. He's a very nice man. So leave him alone. He does have weird teeth. Yes. Unless he's got teeth like Dink. Remember Dink? <laughs> Remember the, not Dink, the other clown. Uh, uh Sleazy, maybe. One of them had really uh, pointy yellow. Sleazy queasy doink dink. Anyway, and I forget there was the other one, yeah. One of them had razor sharp teeth. It was the it was the thing of nightmares. But um, what Barrasso did with this number ten spot was he rubbed his chin and he said, "Well, have I covered all bases politically? Do I have some WWE? Do I have some AEW? Did I throw in a couple uh, uh, foreign choices to satisfy those demographics?" Do you know? And then he said, "You know what? I don't have. I don't have impact." We got to get some impact representation. And while we're at it, we can check off a third woman on the box too. So let's let it's either going to be Jordan Grace or Masha Slamovich. And I'm going to go with Masha Slamovich because that also checks the indie, the indie box as well. Yes, yes, right. Yes, yes. So that was a total political pick. I mean, she's a nice little wrestler. <laughs> picking, you, I mean, in this, in, in the year of our Lord, 2022, picking any impact wrestler in front of Josh Alexander pretty it's absurd pretty it's sus, just, as the kids say absolutely sus. absurd and then there's sus. Mike Bailey and then there's Alex Shelley and then like you know what I mean like there's so but you're right you're right it was it's fuck political. we got it we got to do impact we should probably put another woman on here too <laughs> okay it's between these two let's go with Masha yeah there you go we'll we'll start we'll, we'll look we'll we'll get some cred by picking an indie wrestler here with the uh, Masha so yeah it, it's like when uh it's during the magazine days of the FSM 50 when we would submit the final list and then Brian Elliott, who's great we? editor. Who's we? Who are you talking about? Oh, I mean, when they would select the final list and then, and then the, the Brian Elliott, the great editor, he'd take a look and then he would just like, he would take like Roman Reigns or a WWE wrestler that didn't make the list. And he'd just throw them in there at like 22 and then bump off whoever number 50 was. And then also put that person on the cover. Because he's like, we gotta sell some fucking. <laughs> right, I'm okay. trying to sell some so, shit here, guys. I, we you gotta have dorks, Roman in you here. You fucking nerdy yeah. dorks, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if you know Masato Yoshino should be number one. No, no one's gonna buy a goddamn magazine if I have Masato Yoshino on the cover. So no, I'm sorry, it's gonna be he's like you want Roman to have to, you you want to have Takuya Nomura in there, fine, but we gotta get Roman in there and we gotta put him on the cover, <laughs> right? And this is how it's gonna be. And he would just wedge him in there at some random number and bump everyone else down to the spot. And he's the boss. And that's the way we go. You know, so that's kind of like what happened here. But but stack guy, Greg Rich, he just wants it all. He's very greedy. He wants war games to be the show of the year. He can't deal with the fact that 
the Sports Illustrated readers have spoken. I mean, and the, you know, they, they they pick for which is a valid winner. I mean, it's a great fucking show. The show was incredible. Anyway, what else was a big story here this year? Uh, big stories this year as well. Ric Flair, remember when he uh, had a last match and he nearly died? And then he, uh, everybody was like, hey, he's going to die in this match. Uh, and then he almost died and then he didn't die and he kind of looked like he was going to die. And then the, the match ended and I, I don't know. He was fine, I guess. So <laughs> it was very bizarre, weird, and strange and uncomfortable for a lot of people. But uh, I don't know. I, uh, I had a perverse enjoyment of the build and, and, and the match itself. I mean, it's a horrific, you know, it was weird as hell, but I don't know. I kind of enjoyed watching it. I mean, it was, it was sad as fuck to watch, but also it's wrestling. I, I don't know. Did you, did you ever end up actually watching that match? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, of course. Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like, do, do you have the same vibe I had? I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, my stance. I don't, I don't. I don't get off on watching old guys wrestle, even if I thought they had great careers and I was fans of them. I'm I'm done with that. I want to watch new people wrestle. I want to watch people in their prime wrestle. I don't get off on this Muto stuff. I did I did the Liger thing was okay, but it's like because he could still go a little bit. That's a little different. Like like Flair, like this old decrepit version of. Flair. I don't. People get into watching like Fujiwara, uh, who looks like he's so brittle he's going to turn to dust when he gets in the ring. These. I have never been into that. So I don't I don't know if I want to if I want to reminisce about the great Ric Flair, I'm going to go watch something from 1983. I'm not I, you know what I mean? I don't want to watch him struggle through a match and almost die against Jay Lethal in 2022. Right. So I'm the wrong person to ask. For a lot of people who were big Ric Flair fans or grew up with him and love Ric Flair, I'm sure it was a great moment for them. Or maybe it wasn't because this one was so completely absurd. It was, it was, yeah. I didn't enjoy it in the sense that like I was watching Ric Flair, but like there was this weird perverse like, how are they going to get around this match? Like, how are they going to do this? Like, what are they doing? Why are they doing this uh, type of thing? And I thought Jay Lethal like it, it was one of these things where I got really into the dynamics of like, what is Jay Lethal thinking while he's in the ring here? What is Jeff Jarrett thinking while he's in the ring here? What are these guys thinking as they're trying to maneuver around this guy and make sure whatever they do, they don't kill him? Because he's <laughs> he is on multiple times on the verge of of a very, very serious uh, whatever the hell's going on in his body. And it was like, you know, I, I thought it was masterful performance by all of those guys trying to work around that and trying to kind of, you know, maneuver around this almost quite literal corpse of, of Ric Flair in this match. So that that's where I got kind of a perverse enjoyment out of it. Not necessarily watching Ric Flair nearly die in the ring. That didn't do much for me, but uh, it was a weird and I'm glad we're past it. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to go do it again because of course he's going to do it again because he's Ric Flair. You know, the steamboat one didn't get nearly the same attention. Number one, because steamboat's just not a big star as Ric Flair. Number two, there wasn't that perverse. Is he going to die aspect to it? And it just didn't have the same level of buzz. You know, and I didn't even see that one and probably never will. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, other ones, uh, Kota Bushi, New Japan. Obviously, that whole thing, that very, very weird. Uh, looks like it. I don't know, Joe. Have you seen the other? There's pictures of, uh, of of one Kota Bushi up in the rafters. Did you see that uh, from over the weekend during the uh what was the show that uh, that Kotobushi was at? It was that weird some Anoki uh, Anoki Bumbaye something another whatever thing. But uh, yeah, there, there looked like it was Kotobushi there. It looked like he was there with some New Japan officials. So I don't know. You can never predict any move that this man makes. No. Just when you and think he's going to zig, he zags. So <laughs> every time. This could have been 
an attempt at a reconciliation. This could have been he was their guest and they're hammering out the exit strategy since his contract's come and due. This could have been Kadani getting a whiff of cyber agents sniffing around and thinking, ah, we, cause they're, they, they think Bushy road feels they are operating like they're in a war with cyber agent with Noah and DDT and all those collected um, collective promotions under that umbrella. They are treating this like they're under, like they're in a wrestling war. So it's also possible that, you know, news broke here, by the way, that, there's that they're negotiating with Ibushi and maybe Kadani's like, maybe we can make this work simply to keep him away from them. I don't know. But when it comes to Ibushi, you can never predict anything this man is going to do. So who knows? And um, uh, yeah, obviously that was seen throughout 2022 where he then went on just, you know, obviously he, he goes away for a while. Then he starts tweeting out about the Yakuza and his mom's attempted suicide. And I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? That that felt like a wild story for a while. That felt like that could have gone in so many more wild directions than it did. Uh, and thankfully, it just kind of stopped and went cold and everybody kind of went their separate ways and, 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 and everybody sort of cooled off a little bit. But good Lord, there was there was a week there where it was like, if this guy keeps doing what he's doing, like this thing is going to be bad for a lot of people. It's going to be bad for the entire Japanese wrestling scene if this guy keeps on tweeting out about this stuff and keeps on saying these sort of things. And keeps. I mean, this could have been a mega, 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 mega story, but it ended up, you know, just kind of being a, hey, wow, this guy's being crazy for a weekend. And then it kind of cooled down a little bit. But uh it got wild there for a bit. It got wild for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. And it still is, is unresolved. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. It's going to take us into the to this year. He's going to wrestle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Soon. Yeah. Wrestle somewhere very soon as well. Uh, Sasha Banks, Naomi walk out of WWE, throw their titles on the ground, walk out uh, the next step of whatever Sasha's going to do. Uh, hopefully see that in the next couple of days. Naomi is still TBD, but uh, that was a really big story. They, the champions, Sasha Banks being one of the biggest stars in that company, threw her titles on the ground and told Fitzgerald man to go fuck himself and left. And that was it. And then got called never. out on television about it. <laughs> yes. And then never to return. And somehow wiggled her way out of her contract. So some savvy negotiating by someone. Yeah, that, that that will probably be a bigger story once we finally see her appear somewhere else. It's going to be, oh, wow, okay, she did actually, she got this done. Like, she left, she actually did throw those titles on the ground and leave and maneuver her way out of her contract. So, yeah, that, that's, that's a story that, like, I think will we'll, we'll, we'll add relevance a little bit more in the next year as we see what ends up happening with Sasha. But well, she's the boss. Yeah. She's the boss, Rich. Not in New Jersey, though. She's not the boss. <laughs> no, not in one place. She can never, never replace the that's, boss. Uh, she but. cannot be the boss in New Jersey. Okay, that's uh, that. But everywhere else, she can be the boss. Uh, Cody Rhodes leaves AEW to join WWE. I mean, obviously, that was a mega story when it happened. One of the big, because what what that was all about more than just Cody Rhodes joining WWE, which was you know, big on its own, but it was like the first rebuttal from WWE in this war. Like, the war had been seemingly... The talent war had been kind of one-sided. A lot of people leaving WWE to join AEW. Person after person leaving WWE to joining AEW. Now you get a big-time star in AEW joining... You know, leaving that company to join WWE. And it's also one of the guys that founded the fucking company. You know what I mean? One of the main guys, one of the top, top top-tier guys, one of the guys that was the face of the company leaving to go back to WWE. I mean, this was a huge, huge momentum swing in the way, uh, you know, this quote-unquote pro wrestling war. I mean, this was 
this is big. This is a monumental moment in this war uh, as, as WWE took their next big shot at them and kind of their rebuttal, their, 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 their counterpunch, whatever you want to call it. This is a big deal, and it moved business. It moved tangible business when it happened. Cody Rhodes comes out at WrestleMania. Things start doing well. Houses do well. Uh, pay-per-views do well. I mean, they're doing the countdown clocks on the show. Remember the count, the Cody countdown clocks on those shows? Yeah. They'd have a Raw and say, Cody Rhodes is coming in an hour and 14 minutes. It's like every commercial break. It's like, ding, 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 ding. We're counting down to Cody. It's like, and it works. And people watched. And people would stick with the show and watch it. And his quarter hours are doing well. I mean, a tangible business mover uh, and, and and a big time story. And then obviously he gets hurt right in between them, right in the middle of it. And it might actually help him a little bit because he's going to come back now whenever he does come back, whether it be the Rumble or Rainy or whatever it's going to be. And he's going to be a gigantic megastar again and not have the kind of stink of being on WWE every single week. But, uh, yeah, huge, huge story, uh, it, it, not only just for Cody, but also for the processing war uh, with Cody Rhodes leaving AEW to join WWE. And a smart move by Vince because uh, Cody is basically a giant billboard Facing in the direction of the AEW locker room, telling everybody in it, if you get over there, we will treat you like a star here. And we didn't know that would be the case until Cody made the jump, right? There was some uncertainty there because no one had made the jump yet. Cody was the first person to make the jump in that direction. Plenty of people made the jump the other way, but you had a locker room full of people not knowing whether Vince and the WWE were going to respect anything you accomplished there and consider you a television star. Well, Vince very wisely by positioning Cody as one of the biggest stars in the company and putting him definitively over Seth Rollins, three matches to none and pushing him in the manner he did with the countdown clocks and the big entrance at mania and everything else. That's was a very savvy move. And it told the rest of that AEW locker room. Oh, okay. If we get over here, They'll treat us like a star there as well. Very right. important. And, and didn't beat him in the way. You know, there was a lot of ways. And we speculated, too, like, what's going to happen? Are they going to say, hey, you know, kid, you're 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 in the big leagues now again. So you got to pay your dues again. They didn't do any of that shit. He came out. He had his music. He had a fucking nine thousand dollars worth of pyro. And then he was a star from day one. Nine thousand. No, probably 19,000, 90,000, I should say. Yeah, that was a never-ending stream of pyro coming out uh, as he did that. But, like, it just never – I mean, they, they from jump said, this guy's a star. And he felt like a star, too. He felt, On that show and in that company where everybody feels like they're just on a giant hamster wheel, that guy came out and was a fucking star with a capital S right out of the gates. And the fans saw him as that. The company saw him as that, and 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 you could see the tangible business moving when he did that. I mean, that was a huge, huge story at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, and you know, for Vince and WWE, it also works the other way because not only did they treat him like a star, but their fan base accepted him like a major star. Yeah, which also told WWE, okay, whatever they're doing over there, they're getting people over. So that's why the Cody move. Uh, uh, Aside from just being a shocking departure because of all of the reasons you said about him being a founder and a, and a VEVP and all of those things, it also, for um, you know other reasons, is an enormous story because it gave WWE confidence that these wrestlers getting over there really are over, and it gives and it sends a message to their locker room that you will be welcomed here and you will be pushed. We will not treat you like uh like a secondhand citizen or make you prove yourself all over again we'll we'll bring you in 
and we'll treat you accordingly. You know, and that's something that whether it was Impact or Ring of Honor or to some degree, even New Japan, although they did do a good job with AJ Styles and Nakamura, to be fair. So maybe we should have seen this coming was never the case previous. If you came in from another place, you had to prove yourself all over again. That's not the case now. And uh, they showed that with Cody. And the fact now, if Cody hadn't gotten over in WWE, that would probably have changed their mindset. Like, oh, okay, this little company over here, they're doing nice television ratings, but these people are only over to their limited. Fans. Yeah, they're a little small audience. They're a little niche audience that 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 watches their dork little show or whatever. But no, Cody was like the biggest guy getting the biggest pops on every show that he was on. Yeah, Cody showed them that there was a legitimate crossover in the fandoms in terms of when people get over. So and moved and, and moved a lot of fans over. I mean, you could see the tangible the ratings changes and and the quarter hours and all those sort of things that. Even if, you know, even there is a crossover, there's, of course, a big crossover. But even AEW fans started checking out WWE and say, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I'm going to see what Cody's doing over here. And I, I know that for I mean, I know personally and, and we all know people that probably were like, hey, what the hell is this Cody? And, and checked it out and watched it. And, and very similar to when, you know, the, the, the Vince McMahon Triple H, you know, the switch happened. A lot of people came in and checked it out again. And the Cody stuff, unlike the Triple H, you know, Paul Levesque thing. That was okay. I'm watching and I don't see anything that's that much different. And then I'm going to go away. And that happened very quickly. The Cody stuff was like, oh, I'm watching and this guy's like the biggest fucking star in this entire show. And this is awesome. And it was cool. The Cody stuff was cool as fuck. Like it was really good. Like, it, well, it, you it, know it, why? You know why they pushed him? Oh, weird. They pushed a guy and made him a star because he was he a won star. his matches. Yeah, man. It's so hard to get these guys over these days when all you can do is have a guy come out. Cool as fuck music. Look cool as fuck. Have win all of his matches and say that guy's cool as fuck. And it works. Wow. Weird. Strange. Yeah. yeah. Not that hard. Wrestling is actually quite easy when you make it uh, uh, when you do it well. But yeah, huge, huge mega story there. Uh, Cody Rhodes joining WWE. And now real quickly, um, just going to run down a few other ones here. I found a website, AIPTcomics.com, that the 60 wildest wrestling stories of 2022. Uh, so I grabbed a few of the, the my favorite ones here uh, real quick. Feel free to stop me, interrupt me if you want to uh, chime in. Uh, any of these, uh, this one started at the beginning of the year, and this all kind of t- this is a couple different news stories lumped into one there, but started with day one, WWE day one. Roman got COVID, and that in a roundabout way led to Biggie losing his title to Brock Lesnar, which led to the undisputed title, and then Biggie breaking his neck <laughs> in like a couple, yeah. like two yeah. months' times. Biggie went from the champion to you're losing to Brock to okay, you broke your neck, and now you're gonna be out for a while. It's just, I, I will, I will. Hold the following stance until the day I die. When it comes to the new day, guys, I really, really wish Big E had gotten the Kofi push and Kofi had gotten the Big E push because they never were truly behind Big E and he didn't have a chance. And from from his very first television appearance after he won the title, it was clear that they didn't consider him a real champion. Whereas if Big E would have been in the Kofi spot, if you magically put Big E in that spot. And they try, no matter what you want to say, they knew that there was an expiration date to the Kofi thing. But that was, yeah. they, 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 after WrestleMania, it was that guy. This is your run with this title right now. Yeah. But my point is, if it would have been Big E, there wouldn't have been an expiration date. I agree. He would have, yeah. he would have legitimately gotten over as a, as a new major top line star. Because he has all of those intangibles that Kofi just doesn't have. And I have nothing against Kofi Kingston. I've enjoyed watching him wrestle. 
you know, since he popped up on WWE CW in 2007 or whatever with the fake Jamaican accent and everything. I like him just fine. But Big E had the star quality and those intangibles that Kofi doesn't. And I believe that if he would have been on that run instead of Kofi. Now, the Kofi thing just happened organically. Mustafa Ali got hurt. Kofi took the spot. The fans rallied behind him. So it's not like they actively chose Kofi over Big E. That isn't how it played out. But I'm just saying in some world where you can magically switch spots, Big E would have been much better suited for that push. And it would have worked as opposed to the Kofi thing flaming out because he just isn't a top guy. And Kofi would have been better suited for this weird thing at the beginning of the year where it was like a fake title run that they never believed in. And you could have given Kofi his gold watch in that scenario as opposed to the other one where someone really could have become a star if it was someone who had better star potential than Kofi did. That's all. I just feel like if you could swap them, things would have worked out a lot different for Biggie. Uh, other stories, uh, Mickey James in the Royal Rumble and people pretend that WWE and Impact have a relationship, which uh, we at the time laughed about and made fun of. Uh, we've been proven very, very right time and time again about that as people were tripping over themselves to to write articles about, oh, now we're going to get Moose versus Roman Reigns. And you and I, I remember at the time said this relationship is as much as WWE calling Mickey, Mickey saying, ah, you know, I'm the Impact champion. And then, you know, Impact saying, ah, just for the title. OK, you know, it, it was it was so loose. And so nothing, but then people just pretended because they said Impact Wrestling on WWE that, oh my God, the forbidden, the real forbidden door is WWE and Impact Wrestling. And then it lasted for like nothing. It was literally that show and then nothing ever again. So great. You know what's funny? These fucking clowns, these WWE hardcores, they will rip on AEW morning, noon, and night for working with New Japan. They'll, they'll still claim to this day that Forbidden Door was a failure, which I, can't understand why you would say that unless you're just completely ignorant to facts. But any whiff of WWE working with New Japan and their fantasy book in Okada at WrestleMania, it's unbelievable <laughs> how the tone shifts instantly. If it's nobody WWE knows who these guys are, it's Japanese right. wrestling. Who cares? Nobody in America cares. Whoa, <laughs> Okada versus Rollins. Yeah, <laughs> Kenny Kenny Omega Kenny Omega gets sent to Impact, wins their title gives them the best 18 to 49 numbers they've ever done on, on Anthem, does record-breaking pay-per-view business for Impact, and these people will tell you that Kenny Omega was a negative for Impact, and then Mickey James will show up at the Royal Rumble, and they start fantasy booking Moose versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> this, is, this is how these people operate. They just out immediately, too. Yeah. They pretend it was like, they, all they did, I mean, if you didn't watch the Rumble and you thought, they were like, they're like, yeah, Mickey James, she's the Impact Wrestling World Champion. Then she gets in the ring, and then like a minute later, she's like, it, it was nothing. It was nothing. It was yeah. zero. And all it was was because they didn't have enough women to fill out a rumble. They said, ah, fuck, who do we call? They looked at their list of recent you know, employees and went, ah, yeah. hell, call Mickey. And then Mickey said, well, yeah, I'm the Impact Wrestling Champion, so I don't know if that's going to be a problem. And they said, ah, man, I don't know. Is it going to be a problem? And Scott Demore said, no, it's not a problem. Could she just come up with the Impact title? And they said, sure, whatever. The end. <laughs> like, the end. Nobody, nobody in that company knew she was wrestling in Impact. <laughs> no. Nobody. They called the number that they had for Mickey James and said, "Hey, uh, you yeah. available for the yeah. Rumble?" And she said, uh, "Maybe." There's a quite a little bit of a problem. I have the Impact Wrestling yeah. title, and then yeah, they they somebody and called Scott Demore and yeah. said, "Hey, can we have Mickey for the Rumble?" And they said, and he said, "Yeah, sure, whatever. Who cares?" 
Yeah, that's the relationship. And uh, we saw that. We called that at the time. And uh, lo and behold, Moose and Roman Reigns never did happen. So uh, Shane McMahon returns and is fired in the span of a few hours. That was <laughs> from remember. Yeah, the weird Royal Rumble story. <laughs> went Randy to the Rumble, Orton. started doing his bad punches to people, tried to like throw guys out. It was really weird. And then he got back and everybody said, well, they fired Shane McMahon. <laughs> so it's like, oh, all right, cool. I guess he like tried to book himself. He, he was trying to politic to like throw half the guys out, and they were like, "All right, Shane, we're we're done here, pal. Have uh, have a have a good life. Do, go do whatever you're gonna do now." Okay, uh, two hundred five live dies. R.I.P. Two hundred five live. Also R.I.P. NXT UK. Yeah, so two hundred five live. There were certain eras of that show that were really really good, um, and there were other eras of that show that were really really bad. And then by the end. It was basically developmental to the developmental and it converted, it kind of morphed into NXT level up. So um, it had a decent run. Like at 205 Live existed longer than people think because I think a lot of people gave up on it and then didn't realize it was still a thing very, you know, maybe a year into it or whatever uh, when, when Vince gave up on it. Cause remember he was featuring it on raw a lot, TJP and Akira Tozawa and people like that. And then when he got bored and, you know, he had, went through the Enzo era and that led to Pac walking out. And um, then they had another cool era after that where there was a bunch of like the, when Mike Bennett was there and Kenta and nobody was watching except for me and Joe Gagne. And they were having kick ass matches every week. And then it just became this weird thing that was like a side, a, a little NXT side developmental deal that was featuring guys that were clearly not cruiserweights and even women's wrestling. And it was the name of the show was just no longer a description of what the show was. And then it just turned into NXT level up. So, um, but yeah, I think in the future, there's a lot of really good stuff there that's worth digging up and and discovering um, during the eras of that show where people had stopped paying attention. There's a lot of hidden gems. Believe me, because I watched them all. Yeah. At some point, someone's going to, watch the you know at some point yeah. somebody is going to go back and, and rewatch some of that stuff and find some of that stuff and yeah every time i checked in with 205 live i, I always enjoyed it and it was uh, very similar to you, you did a write-up at flagship patreon.com we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later about you know your your shows of the year and i don't watch level up very often i ve- I, I like i've watched maybe six or seven episodes of level up and it's just like when you when you're really really bored, yeah i'm like god damn i just want something kind of in the background while i work on something and i don't really want to focus on it so i, I and so i uh, sometimes i'll throw on level up and level up is a perfectly competent professional wrestling show and that is at a certain point with 205 live became and it, it all fe- it featured a lot of really 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 good talents and for the most part it was just kind of it was a pro wrestling show. It, it, it was devoid of a lot of the other WWE bullshit. People really didn't pay attention to it. And, and so they kind of did their own little thing and had their own little stuff. And there's always a WWE show like that. For, for as long as WWE has existed, there's always been this kind of weird show that that nobody really cared about. It was Saturday Night, WWE Saturday Night had that similar run in like 2000 where like they didn't care about it anymore. And they were just like, Jimmy Hart, uh, book whatever you want to book. Whatever, do whatever. Who cares? Who gives a shit? It's Saturday Night. And he went and ended up having like a pretty fun little run for like a year and a half where he'd have their own little stories and their own little micro things or whatever. And, you know, OVW existed at a certain point in WWE. It wasn't on TV, but like they were just sick of Jim Cornette and Paul Heyman interrupting them in creative meetings. So they sent them all down to Louisville 
And then they booked their own little show, and it was actually kind of cool and kind of fun and kind of interesting. And FCW was kind of that way when it first started, and NXT and the first WWE Network was kind of that way, where it felt it felt separate from the company. It felt like its own little weird thing. And at a certain point, two hundred five live took on that as well, where it was just like, hey, this is kind of. I don't know. It's not. It's not good. I, I can't say it's good, but it's not. There were eras where it flat out was good. Yeah but, yeah, but there were eras where it was just existed, and there were eras where it was bad. You know, it it, it kind of fluctuated. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you know, I mean the the worst era was the Brian Kendrick era, and the Vince McMahon clearly thinks that he needs to control this show era. You could tell. I mean, you could tell the day that Vince McMahon started caring about two hundred five live, and you could tell the day that Vince McMahon stopped caring about two hundred five live because that show took a dramatic switch. <laughs> the, the the Enzo era was yes. pretty bad because that was a departure from the solid in ring action that it was. And um, there was a time a people are not going to believe this. There was a time where Enzo Amore was not only the most featured act on Two Hundred Five Live, but the the most featured act on the third hour of WWF Raw. Every single yeah WWE Raw show, WWF yeah. WWE Raw because there was this weird thing where they just decided that the third hour sucked and that nobody was ever going to watch the third hour anyway. But when they put Enzo on it, it did okay. So then they just decided every third hour would have Enzo. So they would get like all the big time stars to be an hour one and hour two. And then hour three would be a lot of Enzo stuff. And then they would build up 205 Live on that third. It was so weird. So strange for a little while. But, yeah. you know, hey. Two, uh, two other examples. Velocity had that feel ah, for Velocity, a while. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And um, superstars from like. 2011 to 2012 was like a wrestling show. Yeah, for yeah. The, the Chris Masters era of, of superstars where people would tell you, I swear to God, Chris Masters is having good matches. And you say, okay, okay, sure. And then you watch, you'd be like, holy shit, Chris Masters is having good matches. Unbelievable. Chris Masters, Vance Archer. <laughs> right? Vance yeah, yeah, Archer yeah. with the haircut. Um, and and uh, Drew McIntyre and the Usos and, um, you know, people like that. And they were just, you know, they'd have two, three matches a week, and they it was just a tight little wrestling show, and it had its own little self-contained storylines, and um, you know, it was uh, it it was it was good shit for about a year there, and that year also happens to not be on Peacock, of course, oh. because I've always I've wanted to revisit that era of superstars for for a while. And it's just you know they it's just not there. But anyway, uh, two hundred five, and as far as NXT UK. We feel like that's probably coming back, and it's going to be changed to something a little bigger. And you, you, you know, Paul Levesque has this idea where he wants to go global. We all saw, we all have seen the map, which has become a meme. <laughs> the reversal and, of the map. I love the reversal of the GIF because there's the GIF where he's like, you know, he's standing there, and the arrows are pointing to Europe, and then it's pointing to Africa, and then it's pointing to Russia, and then it's pointing to China, <laughs> and then somebody reversed the GIF where it's just all of them are fading away little yeah, by little. Yeah. I love it. I laugh so much like, with his like, dopey like the, little face and his dopey little beard and stuff. It's the best. Like Back to the Future, where Marty McFly's holding the picture of yeah. his siblings and they're yeah. slowly disappearing. <laughs> right. It's um, like Russia, <laughs> nope, not going to go there. China, no, that's not happening. India, nope, yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Africa, eh, yeah. maybe one of these days. Europe, nope, we're gone now. But no, they're, they're obviously going to do NXT Europe again or whatever, whatever it's going to be. But, but what the husk that was NXT UK, that died in 2020 and basically was just on life support they, they, for two years, yeah. basically. And they kept the best of them. They kept Walter. They kept Charlie Dempsey. They kept um, Ilya Dragunov. They kept the grizzled young Butch. vets. Butch. They, he kind of, yeah. So they kept all the best of the best. And um, and Isla Dawn, too. 
and uh and, oh yeah and we'll see what <laughs> happens as well <laughs> and we'll we'll see when they come back you know Kay- kaylee ray they kept you know alba fire or whatever her name is now but, you know they, 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 they i'll be honest they did a good job keeping the right ones i mean you know that from that perspective but um you know tyler Bate allegedly is with the company somewhere so um man talk about a career that has just gone sideways you know that guy uh, chapters could be written. Oh, on, I, I on wrote an article career. about him last year, and like, look at what's yeah. happening in the last year. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! I and I forget what he turned. He turned like twenty three, and I was just like, good god, this guy's only twenty three. <laughs> well, that famous twenty five. He turned twenty five. Sorry. There's that famous quote when you know a couple years ago, a few years ago, when someone asked him, "Where do you think you'll be in a decade?" and his answer was, "Still in my twenties," and it's like. Cause he was so good so soon and so early, you know, and here he is and he's still only 25 years old and it feels like he's been in that company a lifetime and doing nothing no. for like the last three or yeah. four years. I mean, just absolutely nothing. Um, but they kept all the right people and I'm sure we'll see, you know, I think it was smart to kill that brand cause that brand had a stink to it and they'll, they'll, they'll rebuild it with a new name and new imagery and, uh, maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll find a new puppeteer for for Johnny Saint and bring him back to to. <laughs> they'll give someone else the password to his Twitter account and and uh, you know and 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 then bring him back and and who knows? But um, you know, so it's gone for now. But I think we'll see that one come back. Um, other ones, real quick, I'll kind of rapid fire these ones here. Uh, remember Woke Bay Ally, uh, Buff Bagwell Twitter for that month that oh, that happened. God, the worst, man. the dumbest yeah. story ever. We told people, hey, beware. It's Buff Bagwell. It's probably not Nobody what it here is. Felt that shit. Yeah, no. I, I, you all, you, all the listeners of this very show, you were all smart. You knew that uh, Buff Bagwell, Marcus Alexander Bagwell didn't wake up one day and just say, ah, I am an ally. <laughs> And decide to tweet the most, you know, and he's ah, I Buff Bagwell woke up one day and decided that he loved anime. And like, it's like, what are you doing? Why are you falling for this? And people did hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but there you go. Yeah, it's, turns out Marcus hey, Alexander being, Bagwell, not an ally. We're yeah, 50 year old man from Georgia, <laughs> from uh, white guy Georgia, from Georgia <laughs> right. is not, yeah. So, um, we are being told in the chat that that entire era of superstars is on the WWE YouTube channel for free. Interesting. I was not, a, I was uh, not aware that the WWE YouTube channel had that, that kind of content. I'll be completely honest. So uh, I would have never known that. I would have never. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to double check that. Um, yeah, looks like it might be there. Let me, here, let me, let me mute this real quick. Let's look at the, oh, holy shit. Yeah, there they are. All right. Well, if you're one of the half a dozen listeners to this show who has never seen Chris Masters versus Drew McIntyre, the, the famous leg match. I think that's your match of the week. That's got to be your match of the week soon, right? Should I do it? I'll do it. I'll okay. do it. Yeah, I'll, fuck I'll, yeah. I'll make that. All right. I'll let everybody know that's going to be match of the week uh, behind the paywall. We'll do the leg match. I would think most of our listeners would be privy to that match by now, but who knows? We always overestimate that kind of thing. But um all right, there you go. I'll make that the match of the week. Anyway, what else we got? Yeah, they're all there. Oh, holy shit. There you go. All right, anyway. Um, other ones real quick here. Uh, the Authors of Pain, Legion of Pain, World Entertainment Series NFT promotion thing that happened. That was – Yeah. Remember that? That was that was great. Um, everybody beat up Sammy Guevara for like a week or two. Got in the fight with Andrade. Got in the fight with Eddie Kingston. Getting punched a lot. 
probably be more of that in the future. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Uh, the Carl Anderson saga, we're kind of living that right now. So uh, hopefully it reaches its end uh, January 4th. The Nick Aldis NWA drama, again, that's kind of ongoing right now. We touched on that a couple weeks ago. Uh, William Regal leaving AEW, Mandy Rose fired, all that stuff we have touched on, obviously, very recently. Uh, and then, oh, the Jeff Hardy DUI. Uh, that that return that he makes and the, the very weird, awkward return that I wasn't really into, but some people were into, and then it just all ends exactly how it was probably always going to end with Jeff, Jeff Hardy getting a DUI. So that hopefully is the uh, the end of that. And then a uh, few deaths in the world of wrestling, major ones. Scott Hall passes away uh, earlier in the year. Antonio Inoki obviously uh, passed away. Probably the biggest, uh, you know, one of the biggest stars in wrestling, one of the biggest names in wrestling history, uh, passes away. And I don't know if we touched on this at the time, but Kitamura, the big giant guy from New Japan for wrestling that everybody thought was like the next big thing. I think he won the Young Lion Cup. Uh, he passed away at a very, 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 very young age. I don't know, something like 33, 32. Let me get the exact age that he was, but way, 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 way too young. Uh, for him to pass away. So yeah, that, that kind of people might not have people have missed that story. Cause it kind of, you know, he was out of the limelight for a while. 36, he was 36 when he passed away. Uh, but uh, yeah, he passed away way, way, way too young and a very, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know which that story went very bad, very quickly. And, and he, um, I don't know. Yeah. It, it just didn't work out with new Japan. Didn't work out in wrestling. And he, he got in the world of competitive bodybuilding and, and yeah, passing away uh, at the age of 36 is, is, is not good. You definitely do not. Uh, yeah. Terrible. Where do you think Nick Aldis lands? I don't know because I don't think he's. I don't think he's a WWE guy. I really. I mean, they might pretend he is, but I don't know if he's got that vibe to him. You know what I mean? I don't know. I it looks good in a suit. I guess. I guess you could do that, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't think he fits in any major company. I don't think he fits in AW. I don't know if I'd want to see him in AEW necessarily. I don't think he really fits in. I, I I don't think he fits in WWE. I don't know. Maybe you disagree uh, with this guy. I mean, he he carries himself like a WWE superstar or whatever. But I don't know if he can really go. And I think it'll be exposed pretty quickly. And I don't. Yeah, he's kind of he's this weird guy that's in a limbo. Like NWA is like the perfect landing spot for Nick Aldis, which you know I I don't know. I'm not sure where he goes. I, I don't have a good read on it. I think he's tailor made for WWE. You do. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's a really good talker. And I think he can work at a competent level. And, um, you know, a lot of people make the connection with Cody because they worked that program for the NWA title. But I don't think they get along. So I don't think that's... Yeah, I wouldn't... Uh... I don't think they get along. I... I I know at one time there was some, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. So I, whether, they, but either way, I, you know, there was a time where they didn't see eye to eye would probably be the best way to put it. Yeah. And it was years ago. So who knows? But um, yeah, I, I think he's, that's his best fit. I mean, cause he can't I wanna, just go waltz back on the impact. You know what I mean? Like that would feel like a major step down, yeah. but it's the obvious destination. Right. With Mickey there and, and, and Mickey being involved and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, if he went to I mean, if he went to impact, he'd be like a top, top dude. If that's if he cares that it, depending on what he cares about, if he cares about just getting a, a, a consistent paycheck and, and and being in the big leagues or whatever, then, yeah, he can waltz in it. It would be just fine. And, and, and 
I don't know where he fits. I don't know exactly what they 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 do with him. But like, you know, somebody points out in the note of Sharon Jordan is that they've had a lot of opportunities to get him and have never really ever. They've always passed on him. And they had him. Who? Originally. WWE? Yeah. Nick Aldis. Like, yeah, he's, he's been at um, their disposal multiple times and they've just always kind of not been that. That may have been maybe that's a Vince thing and not a Triple H thing, whatever. It's, it's it's obviously a new regime in terms of of, of, of talent acquisition or whatnot. But impact is probably the the answer there but i don't know that i like with the way that he talks and carries himself a good booker can get a lot out of him i that might not be a popular unfortunately take. paul levac is uh, booking though to be joe so i don't know if that's gonna work then yeah see i think he's tailor-made for them but i don't think that they would get the most out of him i think that a good booker with the way he looks carries himself and talks can get a lot out of Nick Aldis. And that might not be a popular take with our listeners because they tend to be very negative on Nick Aldis. Um, but just, I feel like there's, I, I would have idea. I'm not going to fantasy book because you know, I hate that, but I have ideas in my head of how I would present Nick Aldis and what I would do with Nick Aldis. And, you know, he'd be a really good fit for the ROH branch of Tony's uh, umbrella of companies. I, and that again, People will probably bury me for that, but um, I like that. I, I don't hate that either. I think as I think as a manager slash wrestler who does a lot of talking for people who can't talk, you can get a lot out of him without getting too deep in the weeds with dopey fantasy booking. I mean, you put him out there, and he carries himself like a pro. He looks like a star. He talks like a star. And he's got a stable of guys and their heels. And I think you, there's something there that you can get at. And I think he'd be perfect for ring of honor, but um, I don't know. He's going to, he has the fallback option of impact though, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That, that'll always be there. And uh, some other people are pointing out in the chat room that, uh, that, that Bruce Pritchard has always said that he has had heat with Nick all this as well for, something yeah, going so, back to NXT, but again, those are years ago. So I don't know. People kind of forget about stuff, but yeah, it, the thing with Nick Aldis, he he can sometimes rub people the wrong way. I mean, I know a lot of people want to take you know his side versus Billy, and and you probably should. I, I'd imagine I probably would too if I if if both people sat down and explained their side of the stories. But this isn't the first time that someone's kind of you know not gotten along with Nick Aldis, or that Nick Aldis hasn't gotten along with them. He he has he has a way about him that uh, that can sometimes rub people. Yeah, the wrong he's way. he's had heat with a lot of people. The thing with Nick Aldis, he came across really great with Sam Roberts. I watched the whole thing. What you also have to remember, though, is that was very, he very much did that specifically. That was a PR opportunity. He's doing job interviews. Yeah, it's a, they're, yeah. They're, they're podcast slash job interviews. That's exactly what that was. It was him. So he was making it a point to come across as well-spoken, calm, and level-headed as possible. And he had very legitimate gripes with the NWA. I agreed with a lot of his points. Oh, of course, of course. I don't know what happened between Billy Corgan and Mickey James, and that's the guy's wife. And you're always going to stand up for your wife. Okay. And I don't know what happened there. And, and, and that, you know, that I'm going to stay out of, but the other gripes he had with the company, I agreed with the vast majority of them. And, you know, he defended himself against the idea that he was demanding to have the title put back on him and all that. And he came across, um, uh, uh, trustworthy when he spoke, but, but, you know, but yeah, like you said, the, that interview was, 
and he knew that was a nice soft landing spot because Sam Roberts isn't going to push you. He's not going to, uh, he's not going to, you know, this isn't going to be some hard hitting, you know, he, he knew the place to go to do that type of PR interview, but he came across very well. So I don't know. We're spending way too much time on Nick. All <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, but then there you go again, Scott Hall, Enoki, uh, and Kitamura uh, passing away. I think there were a few. Um, that's what I. That's what I have on my notes. So I apologize if I am missing any other wrestlers, major wrestlers that passed away uh, this year. But that's what I have uh, on my notes. So that was 2022, a uh, pretty wild year. Um, I did a guest spot on uh, Josh Nason's uh, Punch Out podcast on the uh, uh, Figure Four uh, website, WrestlingObserver.com, as well. And we were kind of discussing: Will ever like was this a particularly crazy? year in pro wrestling or is every year in pro wrestling going to be kind of crazy and kind of weird because of the nature of having two major companies and and we both kind of agreed that it's probably that every single year is just going to kind of be this way like this year maybe is a little bit more crazy because you have the Vince McMahon stuff you have a few other things the brawl out like those are kind of once in a lifetime things but when you have two major companies this stuff is this way like go back and read old observers from the 90s go read during the Monday Night Wars or whatever it's crazy shit every single week. Like crazy stuff happens when there's a wrestling war. We just got used to, there's probably a lot of wrestling fans that grew up when wrestling was boring as fuck for, for a lot of years, especially a major American wrestling, which is just boring as hell. One company, that was it. But like, yeah, this kind of happens. This, this is, this is what is going to happen with two major companies. They're going to be fighting for, for talent. They're going to be fighting for spots. They're going to be fighting for TV. They're going to be fighting, fighting for business, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, you're going to have a lot of stories. So I tend to think we're probably going to always have crazy years as long as AEW is where they're at and where WWE is where they're at. But uh, this year, yeah, this might this 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 one's a little when when you have the biggest wrestling story in in, in decades in, in terms of Vince McMahon resigning in shame, that's going to take the cake. But but ultimately, I think most years are going to be kind of crazy moving forward. But there you go, twenty twenty two. All right, Joe, let's talk about we don't have an ad this week, but we have a great opportunity to tell you about our Patreon flagship patreon.com patreon.com slash voices of wrestling voices of wrestling.com slash Patreon. No matter which way you get there, that is where it's all at $5 and $10 tiers uh, in terms of audio content, written content, live shows, instant reactions, all that other good stuff available there at flagship patreon.com patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, including uh, a new series that you just began this week and will run through uh, the end of the year and into the first week or so of January. And that is year end awards, the 2022 flagship awards. You want to tell people a little bit about this project and the idea behind it? Very simple, just a uh, standard year end awards. It will loosely follow the observer award system. Although I'm not going to do every observer award and I'm not, and I'm going to change some of them and maybe some of the, standards of the selection will be a little different and i'll explain that in each in each piece that i write but um we started off with the best weekly tv show uh that piece is already up these are all going to be ten dollar tier because they're written they're not audio they're written so they're going to be ten dollar tier and uh, i started with the best weekly tv show because to me that was the easiest award to pick as i was looking at all the categories and mulling the winners best tv show was so obvious and so easy that 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 was an easy one to start with and of course it's dynamite i mean it can't be anything else um i think most wrestling shows are are terrible they're they're bad i don't even think they're average i think most of them are bad and dynamite's a legitimately great show and has been for uh the bulk of the year i mean i think most dynamites are uh, the floor is good and a lot of them are great so um you'll have to read the article to see what i when I managed to select as some runners up, which was not easy to do, 
And then uh, what I'll do is I'll pick a winner. I'll write about it, defend my case. Most of the time, I'll pick some runners up. Not always. And then I'll also have some other notable contenders, not necessarily who I feel were contenders to win, but notable contenders in that maybe they were people that missed my cut for the runners up. Maybe they're people or things that other people are selecting as their winners of these types of awards. And I'll talk through some of the uh, other notable contenders as well in each of the articles. So um, the worst weekly TV show is pretty much written and will be posted. um, If you're listening live sometime within the next either late, late tonight after the flagship or when I wake up in the morning, that should be up. So um, by the time a lot of people listen to this, uh, there'll be two, two, at least two of the pieces will be up the best weekly TV show and the worst weekly TV show. Uh, but I'm going to do all the major awards. I'll do rookie tag team wrestler of the year. Obviously I don't know if I'm going to do match of the year though, because we kind of do a different thing for that. So I, I might not do match of the year. I'm, I'm mulling that one. Um, you know, but we'll do, uh, you know, most of the major awards and I'm not going to do two different wrestlers of the year. I'm not doing the observer thing with MVP and most outstanding. I'm doing one award. I'm combining everything in the one. I know who my pick is going to be. I know who my top three to five is going to be. And so only one wrestler of the year. We're not doing, we're not doing the split like observer does. And uh, anyway, that will run probably into the first week of uh of january some days there'll be more more than one article posted and uh we'll get through them probably wrap it up sometime before january 10th but uh yeah that's underway now so that is up there flagship patreon.com again ten dollar tier since it is written content uh in addition to that all of our bonus audio as well i had the christmas with the captain series going through christmas uh wrestling matches wrestlers wrestling themed christmas stuff uh that series wrapping up obviously with the christmas season wrapping up uh, I'm also wrapping up the Goldberg 173 and one series this month or uh, it should be at least it'll either be the end of this month. Or it'll be the first couple of days uh, of January. That's a very it's it's always because I got to edit stuff. I got to watch everything. I got to do all the clips. There's a lot of work that goes into those shows. I always try to get them done as quick as possible, but I always try to get as much detail uh, in them as possible. And this one is requiring a ton of detail because it's December. We are going month by month of Goldberg's 1998. And obviously we are in the 173 and one month where Goldberg is going to lose to Kevin Nash. Uh, he's going to drop the WCW title to Kevin Nash at Starcade, And a couple days later, the finger poke of doom is going to happen. And WCW is going to just you know, do WCW things for the rest of the year uh, and go out of business in a couple of years. So we have to touch on, we can't just say, Hey, Goldberg lost to Kevin Nash. And that is all like that. That'd be nice. If I, if that was the case, I'd be done with the episode. and I'd be ready to go, but you got to dig in a little bit more in terms of what happened afterwards, the follow-up, the finger poke of doom. And I am combing through. I've watched so many, awful shoot interviews with these dumb old WCW wrestlers telling you, oh, we just had to beat Goldberg. We just had to do it, and I am going to break down all those narratives that, no, you did not just have to beat Goldberg, and all their dumb things that they say are all wrong and stupid, and they just should have had Goldberg win. Or if you were going to have him lose, you don't do the fucking finger poke of doom a couple days later. But anyway, that is all coming in the Goldberg 173 and 1. Final episode will be out in the next couple of days, uh, so you can look for that. And then, uh, yeah, I'll obviously pick things back up. I always do my monthly uh, uh, themed retro 
retro shows. So I don't know what I'm going to do in January. I might do Rumble, but I've done a lot of the other Royal Rumbles. So I might just want to look at how many more Rumbles I have. And if there's not that many, uh, work on something else or do something a little bit different. But uh, always going on there, uh, VOWretro.com is where you can find the entire archive of all of our retro content. You also do the Thursday Dynamite review uh, each week, uh, the day after Dynamite, 30 to 40 minutes, Dynamite review, uh, Joe Lanza's thoughts on the latest episode of AEW Dynamite, Thursday Dynamite review, uh, and then plenty of other stuff, Interaction Lives, of course, any major shows we're going to be doing Interaction Live uh, for uh, live flagship podcasts as well on a $10 tier. You can listen to this show live before everybody else. Uh, I'm also going to do a prediction show as well. We do that. And that's kind of a yearly tradition now uh, on the Patreon. So I had uh, you guys send in your predictions. So I'm going to read them off. And I'm also going to go over last year's predictions and see if anybody got anywhere near uh, who was way off, all that other good stuff. But that's always a fun show to do each year. So excited to do that uh, again. But that will be on the $5 tier uh, at uh, flagshippatreon.com. So $5 tier, $10 tier, flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices wrestling, voices of wrestling dot com slash patreon for all of that stuff so all right let's do uh joe wrestle kingdom is coming up it is december 29th that means we're only a couple of days away from the tokyo dome january 4th just back to one night there's that weird wrestle kingdom and yokohama arena thing or whatever we all know it's not actually wrestle kingdom but we're back to one official night of wrestle kingdom in the tokyo dome it's on january 4th and god damn it thank god we finally have cheering audiences Let's hope they're loud. Let's hope they're excited because I need that. I need that juice back in my Japanese wrestling, especially in my New Japan for wrestling. But uh, Russell Kingdom's here, and uh, what is your what what, what what's the buzzle meter for Joe Lanza leading up here to Russell Kingdom for uh, seventeen, just a couple of days away? You know, there's a there's a couple names not on this card that normally you would see on a wrestle kingdom card, a couple names that might have interest to fans in the West. I think that's interesting because there's another show on January 4th in Seattle mm-hmm. and it might make sense to do a little bartering. You know, we're going to give you Kenny Omega and then maybe you can, you know, send us some people. Hey, who, I'm just saying, I'm just putting that out there. Maybe, uh, Maybe we'll see some people pop up on a different show that aren't booked for this one. Uh, obviously, on, there are um, still TBA uh, participants in the, uh, the the Rambo, so there there's there's many wrestlers that could pop up on that Rambo. But you're right, there there's a few names conspicuous so ha- by their absence for sure. Yeah. So how about um, you know what was interesting too? I you know it's they could have done the Suzuki Goon final on this show, right? I mean, I know that they had Despy booked in the stupid four-way, but they could have just done a three-way if they were, you know what I mean, if they wanted to. And um, I know they have Zack Sabre Jr. facing Ren Narita, but maybe they that someone else could have made the final of that tournament. And I'm just saying the Suzuki Gun final match, and did you watch that yet? I did, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, basically Suzuki encourages all of the other members to destroy him, you know, and including his own teammates in the match. Cause it was an eight man tag where they faced each other and they kind of went up the hierarchy starting with the juniors and then, you know, Lance Archer and then Taichi and then Zack Sabre jr. Put the finishing blow and it was very symbolic. And it was a very interesting way to end the unit as Suzuki basically just had his own people destroy the monster, right. And kill him. Um, 
I feel, and I, as I was watching it and I really enjoyed it and, and the story being told, um, I was just thinking to myself, man, this would have come across really great at Wrestle Kingdom as opposed to, you know, a not a clap crowd version of Cork and Hall where everybody's wearing a mask and nobody can speak. And, but, um, but I guess that's neither here nor there, but, um, and you know, they've got Minoru Suzuki and the Noki match and all of that. I, I, you know, I get it. Some of the other guys are booked doing other things, but, um, maybe it would have been a better fit there. But, um, as far as the buzzle meter, Anyway, what did you think of that match? Did you have any thoughts? Uh, on I liked the it. Suzuki I thought it was. Final? I thought it was cool. It was, it was a fitting end, I think, to the uh, the Suzuki Gun uh, uh, unit. I tend to think that it was probably good to be on that show because it got time. It was able to have twenty five minutes. They were able to to do all their ha ha stuff at the end. I feel like if you do it on a Wrestle Kingdom, you are going to rush it a little bit. It's going to feel like you don't have as much time to do the stuff. The, the Iska thing where he comes out and grabs his iron, you know, fingers and, and leaves or whatever, and they pose in front of the the banner. I think you needed a little bit more time to do all that sort of ha ha stuff. Uh, I suppose you could have done that. Like you could have had them have this match, and then maybe on New Year Dash they do all the haha stuff uh, if you really wanted to. But I don't know. I I thought I thought it was a fitting main event for that show, and I think it was it, that that's a unit I think that deserved that spotlight and deserved that time to go out there and and and, and have that match and and have that moment where I don't know. I feel like it would be maybe a little too rushed on a Wrestle Kingdom uh, as opposed to doing it on this show. But it does kind of feel like there wasn't a whole lot of people. There wasn't a whole lot of focus on that show, and it just kind of came and went. And now you know they're kind of gone. You, you know it. it, it so I. I I get your point that maybe doing it on Russell Kingdom would have gotten more eyeballs on it. Hey, this is a major unit that's now you know breaking apart. But uh, I think you want to use Russell Kingdom to start new beginnings for some of these people as well. Um, so I, I don't mind the idea of having it on this show. Guys can go away for a little bit. Minoru Suzuki can get involved in the Antonio Inoki thing and whatever Suzuki's next step is or whatever. Saber can kind of do whatever he's going to maybe do. Uh, you know, Desperado is going to be in his. So I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that you can kind of do uh, at Wrestle Kingdom to kind of get these guys up on new directions. But I thought it was a really, really fun match. And like you said, Suzuki at one point just says, fuck these teams. Who cares? You all got to face me and we all got to beat each other up or whatever. And then they, they ultimately beat him up. And Zach, I thought fitting Zack Saber Jr. getting the win. Uh, I thought that was a pretty uh, important moment there and a, a very poignant moment too uh zach saber jr getting the win uh over suzuki and, and yeah look, the post show was great too everybody doing their promos iska coming out grabbing the iron fingers and, and and the snow coming down so i thought it was all pretty good i mean i'm not super i'm not heartbroken by the end of suzuki goon like i i think there needs to be a little bit more unit shakeup uh in the world of uh, new japan pro wrestling but uh this unit in particular i think has some I, I'm curious. I, I think there's a lot of potential for new beginnings for some of these guys, and there's some other guys, and I'm like, oh, do, oh, I don't know what they're going to do without being a part of this unit. But uh, we'll see, and that's exciting. That's fun. I am so curious where a lot of these pieces land. So, like, what does Kanemoro do? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. He just kind of just goes to chaos or something. Or uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, even the major pieces, though, do they just? You know, Zack Saber stick with Taichi and stay together and then takes, but then it's kind of like Suzuki gun light, like just without Suzuki. So I, it's going to be very interesting where the pieces fall. It's going to be very interesting with how many of these guys stay with the company. You know, there's a lot going on in Japan right now with contract season coming up. And I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion that a lot of these Suzuki gun guys are even with New Japan in 2023. So, you know, and that includes Suzuki. So we'll have to see how all that shakes out. Um, Iska, I mean, how old is that guy? He still looked ripped. He looked great. I was like, brother, you're done. You don't have to work, look like that again. That That is in my notes. Is like, let's talk about that guy. 
He came eat out there. Cheese, eat, eat a cheesesteak now and then. <laughs> you don't have to look good anymore. Brother, he's 56 years old. He hasn't wrestled in a year. And he, man, I, I went and worked out at lunch because of him. I was like, God damn, if he looks like that while he's retired, like, why do I look the way I look? I mean, it's great. Get him back in the ring. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Do not he, get him back in the ring, please. He don't ever have to take his shirt off in public. Why would he still look like that? Like I, that, that was crazy. I thought the same thing. You know? I was just like, good Lord. <laughs> look at that. man. He's just gigantic still. Yeah. But um, as far as my. What, what did you ask me to my um, just the my overall puzzle meter? Like, where, where are you at with the show? Because I'm a, I don't know. I, I, I it's coming and it's Wrestle Kingdom and I like Wrestle Kingdom and I'm excited about it. But I'm also just kind of I don't know that I'm, I'm it's not a palpable like excitement that I usually have for Wrestle Kingdom. No, it's not that. Um, I think a lot has to do with the cold main event. I think if the main event wasn't cold, I'd be way more into it. I, I mean, Osprey Omega. Obviously, I'm counting down the minutes to that. There's just not a whole lot else on the card that I'm super looking forward to. You would know, you Would you agree uh, with me that that Osprey and Omega needs a little bit? Or needed, I guess needed, if we're past the needs part. I, I don't know that there was enough in the last couple of weeks to kind of get me. They may have peaked it early. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like there was this stuff like a half a year, you know, six months ago where they're sniping at each other in radio interviews and they're sniping at each other in tweets and podcasts or whatever. And you're like, hell yeah, these guys. I And we, the smart people, the smart wrestling fans, and hopefully all of our listeners knew this is all work and they're all building to a match or whatever. There was dorks that were like, oh, Kenny Omega, he's right. Will Ospreay only cares about having good matches. <laughs> it's like, you dorks. God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Yeah, Kenny's right. Will just flips and he doesn't know how to work. It's like, okay, all right. You know, like absolute dorks. And we, you, us, and smart wrestling fans all knew that this is building to something. And they did. And they did. And then he caught, you know, the, the Omega video happens at the World Tag League finals. And it's like, all right, cool. Awesome. Sweet. This is exciting. This is good. And it really hasn't been much since then. There was like, you know, the one interview that Omega did with, um, you know, the New Japan website. And, and that was fine. But, I just yeah, I feel like they peaked like six months ago, and now we're just kind of we're it's coming and it's great. It's going to be great. It's fucking Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. It's going to be great, but uh, it just does feel like we maybe I don't know. It, it peaked early is probably the right way to put it. It, it just felt like we're yeah, a little cold early. going in. It peaked early. Was the Omega video at the crossover show or the World Tag? League oh, sorry, final? sorry, sorry. Crossover. Read. You're right. The crossover show. It's the crossover show, right? Yes. After the Shota Aminu match. Yes. Yes. Correct. Um. No, yeah, no, that's it. It it that match peaked early, and the Jay White Okada match I never, has just never been fucking ice peaked. cold from yeah. It's been cold as I, a rock. I, on it, every time I look at this card, I forget that that match is on it <laughs> until I see it. Yeah, like it's just it, it's just a nothing match, and you know we can only hope that Okada that hits the Rainmaker, and you know does the Anoki pose. You would think that he would win and the show would end with him honoring Anoki. I don't know if that's a given though. I do know that Jay White and Okada, they come up with some of the most creative finishing sequences in wrestling. They're very good with each other. They have excellent chemistry. Um, I, I've liked all of their matches they've had together. So I think it'll be a good match. I'm just not excited for it because it's ice cold. Jay White has not been a good champion at all. He's not there. He's never there. He never. He's never there. He's never on the shows. Yeah, and 
Why you was know, he not I, on any of these? Why was he not on any of the final Corkins? You'd have to ask him. Where is he? I mean, <laughs> Where's their champion? I, you know, if it wouldn't bother me none if the next night he gets the AJ Styles burial and just fucks off to WWE. I wouldn't mind. I think he'll do great there. I think he would do great on American oh, yeah, yeah. TV. Any company, I think he would do great. You know, he he did great in Impact, and obviously that's not where someone like him wants to be. Um, I think he would be phenomenal in either WWE doing their style or AEW doing their style. I think he would excel at both. Um, and I wouldn't miss him at all in New Japan. And if he stay, I mean, you no, know, not with the not with the guys that they have coming up and and the other talent that they have up and down the card. Like, yeah, he if he left. Fine. Yeah. It, like, yeah. Do I, I like, I like Jay White. Obviously, I, I like watching him work. I like, but if he left, yeah, I, I think uh, there's more than enough talent to fill his spot. Yeah. And, um, you know, this whole Bullet Club war ended up being a dud. Jay White's never around. Um, uh, uh, Tonga Loa got injured. They did the Hikaleo angle with Jay White. And that was pretty much it, you know, and, and so, they've been wanting to do that for a long time. And then they didn't just, they just didn't do much with it. And Tamatanga turned of course, and he got elevated to some degree. And they did the little story where, um, where, where, uh, Phantasmo stole Yujiro's girl. And then during the G one, and it's just, it didn't, there was nothing to it. Um, there's the big old dud and, you know, and, and, What's the end result? Tamatanga's elevated a bit. Jado is this really weird baby face now. And Jay White was a really boring champion who survived Tamatanga and now what? So, and you know, and I guess the Carl Anderson thing. I mean, so I don't know. The main event's cold and Osprey Omega peaked early and the rest of the card has some good stuff on it, but nothing else that I'm super excited to watch. Yeah, I, I think it'll be ultimately it's going to be a good show. There's too much good talent on yeah, the show. I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, I, I'm it's definitely just looking forward. The to excitement it. level going in. I mean, there was years where it's like counting yeah. down the hours. I mean, we yeah. we used to do shows where we would for three hours we would preview this entire. Th- that's it. The show would just yeah. be us previewing this show. Correct. The entire three hours would be us breaking down match by match who we think is going to win, the build, all this. And we're not going to do that here. Obviously, it's going to be a 30-minute segment, a 45-minute segment tops where we just kind of go over the card and and we just went over the main event and the semi-main event. In about five minutes, and our ultimate thing is like, I don't know, probably could be good matches and, and moving on. And then, you know, elsewhere on the card, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. It's a four-way, so obviously my 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 interest level is going to be reduced immediately. Taiji Shimori, Hiromu Takahashi, El Desperado, and Master Wato. I mean, I, all you know, it's going to be good. Like, it's going to be good, but it would be so much better just as a one-on-one match. I, I'm never, I'm always going to be in the same stance that four ways and three ways and all that sort of I'm just going to prefer one-on-one matches or tag team matches. So uh, a shoehorned in four-way featuring, you know, Master Wato. And, and it's just, if it, if you want Taiji and Hiromu, just do Taiji and Hiromu again. You know, if you just want to do Taiji and Desperado, do Taiji and Desperado. Shoehorning in Master Wato. I mean, we don't, nobody needs that. Nobody wanted that, but. Let's get Isham. Let's get Ishimori away from this title for like a year. He hasn't been an exciting champion to say the least either. So let's get this title off of him and put him in a tag team or something and just get him away from this title for like a year. 
I feel like it's constantly built around him and he just hasn't been an exciting champion at all. I'm thinking they might belt up Watto. I I feel like um, they essentially ended the Taguchi tag team and they've, they've always wanted to push him and it, and it took them some time to, I would say get over, but I don't even necessarily think that he's over, but they like him for whatever reason. Um, I hope that's not what they do, but I, I, I would like to see a title change. I'm with you on the Ishimori thing. I, I, I think I've gotten pretty bored of him <laughs> being there for uh, being the champion. Cause kind of, again, similar to the Jay white thing. It's like, all right. Yeah. It's just a good wrestler. I enjoy what, but yeah, him in the title, it just felt like there's just been no juice with, with, with him as that champion. So, uh, and this, and if you go back to Hiromu, it's the same thing. We've seen that a thousand times already. Uh, Desperado again, I guess I wouldn't be too upset if Desperado won it, but I think, I, I think I'm with you that Watto would be the most fun uh, of all those to win it. I mean, do I think he's the best wrestler of those four? Absolutely not, but he'd at least be new and fresh and, and, and have some interesting matchups, but I think I'd be okay with either Desperado or Watto. Uh, winning that match, I, I, I who I ultimately think would win, I probably would side. I think I would side with Desperado, maybe as a kind of a new beginning with you know him post Suzuki Goon or whatever. But I do like your idea, of Master Watto too. I think there's got some uh, uh, you know some potential there. Uh, then we have a Keiji Muto Hiroshi Tanahashi Shota Umino match versus Tetsuya Naito Sonata and Bushi. And we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but there is to me a very very smart way that you can book this match in a very important way. You can book this match in and God, I hope that they do that. And God, I hope that somebody doesn't get in someone's ear and say, Hey, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about one KG Muto. He does not need to be, need to be booting, beating Bushi on this match. Shoto Umino needs to be pinning somebody. And this needs to be a way to elevate Shoto Umino and not worry about, you know, placating KG Muto or, or placating anybody else. This needs to be front and center. The reason you have Shoto Umino in this match is for him to get that rub of being in the ring there with Keiji Muto. And he needs to get the pinfall, not Keiji Muto. Yeah. I said that a month ago. Um, that is what they should do. And, you know, of course, Muto could set it all up and, but it, it really should be Umino. Um, the big question is, will Muto do the moonsault? Um, will he do it in this match? Will he do it in one of the Noah matches? Um, will he see this as the biggest match of the retirement because it's new Japan and it's wrestle kingdom. So a lot of interesting little subplots to this. They, they did the right match with the right people, you know, with Naito and of course, Sonata. And that makes a ton of sense. Right, you, then, needed, you needed those two guys in the last Keiji Muto new Japan match for sure. Yeah. And then you have Tanahashi and Umino who, you know, one generation and then the next generation, um, with the prior gen, so they they put the proper people in the match, and they've got the guy right there to take the pin. Um, there's been some talk that Bushi could be on the way out. I saw some rumblings about that Interesting. too. So that's something to keep an eye on too. Um, but yeah, you know, we knew we were going to get a Muto match, and um, you know, I've been watching this shit for two years though, so it's like, you know, this might be special for New Japan fans who don't pay any attention to Noah and all that, and it's fine. I don't hate this match. It'll be a spectacle and it'll be interesting to watch. Uh never open weight championship Carl Anderson and Tamatonga. Thank God this whole thing is going to finally end. And it's it's been up, it's been down, mostly down. 
Uh, there's been a lot of really bad matches along the way, and hopefully, finally, mercifully, it'll be over with Tomatonga defeating Carl Anderson, winning the Never Openweight Championship, and us moving on uh, with with our lives on whatever this whole thing was. It was a very awkward, weird situation. Anderson did them a slight solid by at least, you know, still being eligible to work and and wanting to work and coming in for these shows. Uh, but ultimately, like I said, the result has been a lot of just really bad matches, a lot of really weird narratives around the company and i'm just ready for it to be all be done and move on and just never speak of it ever again i tried to slightly hint to people that this match could be happening at the dome even though it was happening at the tag league final you know with the two dates that were agreed to um i would be fucking stunned if he wins again this has to be the end of it it's it's the natural end to the story they pulled a swerve. They fooled a lot of people, including us, with Hikaleo losing. And that match was horrendous. Ugh. Even worse than the Tanahashi match, which is hard to fathom. <laughs> yeah, um, way, way worse. Way worse. Not even close. At least that match, at least the Tanahashi match was just like, man, come on, put some effort into this. Let's go. The Tamatonga match was like, this is like, this is it. You are wasting my time, sir. Like this, I need Hikaleo this time match. You mean. Hikaleo the Hikaleo match was like you. I you are wasting my time. What the, you need to give this back to me? Like this is an offensive he, to me. And Hikaleo, Hikaleo, still missing something. He look. I thought that they'd put the title on him and just you know make make or break. Here we're going to give you a push. It's either going to work or it's not. But I think they recognize he's not ready for it yet. So they'll put it on Tamatanga here and. You know, this will be his level now. He had his title shot. He lost. And now, you know, he's, he's been a fairly popular baby face. And this will be his level now. Um, I'd be fucking stunned if Anderson wins again. That that would legitimately <laughs> that, that, Then I have no answer anymore. I, I'm out. I'm done at that point. Then I almost have to really enjoy all of this if he wins again. Then it's like, all right, this is just... <laughs> Like the biggest troll ever. Yeah, are we going to take this to Dominion? Is he going to be in the G1? Like, what are we doing? Like, you know, how far is this going to go? Uh, Ren Narita versus X Saber Jr. This is for the New Japan World TV Championship, the brand new title they've created. Um, I am of the mindset that Ren Narita needs to win this match and needs to win this title because it was a big deal and an important title. And and the reason why they said they made this title was for young stars and Ren Narita is a young star and they're trying to get him over and all that sort of stuff. With Zack Sabre Jr. beating Minoru Suzuki, I mean, they clearly see him as a big deal, you know, moving forward post-Suzuki Goon or whatever. So I don't know. Like, not, when he when that result happened, I kind of said, ooh, I was like 90% that Ren Narita was going to win this match. I don't know that I'm that sure anymore. Where, where are you at? Well, if he doesn't win, he has to beat Zach for it later. But if I'm trying to elevate someone and the directive of this title came from the top and they're telling me that to put it on young wrestlers and this is the guy I picked, then why not just do it here on the biggest stage and just have him beat Zach now? Why fuck around with it? So I think Narita will win. I think he should win. And it's going to be exciting. To- he's He's someone to watch in 2023. Because he's the first of sort of these new class guy. Well, I guess Okan came back first, but um, Narita's the next where it's clear that they're interested in pushing him and pushing him hard as the next generation of the no nonsense black tights, Katsuyuri Shibata student, Katsuyuri Shibata like ass kicker. And um, what I think could hurt Narita is. We're not really far enough removed from Shibata and you don't want to end up falling into a pattern where it's like people think you're doing a cosplay. He still has to find a way to be his own guy 
Because if he's just going to be a second-rate Shibata, that's not going to work. So I think he need and, and and there's a danger there. You know, so I think he needs to find a way to carve his own identity while also very clearly still being linked to his mentor. And that's a tricky thing to pull off sometimes. So, you know, Shibata has a very unique kind of charisma. And I don't know that just being trying to be another be, you know, he's going to, you don't want him to come off like a mini Shibata. You want right, him to right, be, right. And, and, you know, and, and it remains to be seen like his work has been great, but maybe there needs to be some identifiable part of his presentation that needs to be drastically different than Shibata. Right. Cause right now he does kind of, and, and I love it, but I, I can see that long-term it's maybe not the best play is that he comes out and has the towel and a, you know what I mean? Like he looks like it's a like mini Shibata. Like he's being Shibata right, for Halloween. Right. right. And it's, that's, you know, and his work has not, his work has spoke for itself. And I think that will ultimately be what, but I'm, I'm with you that they need to do something to kind of say, Hey, look, Shibata was the old, this is the new. Yes. He's taking, he's been trained by this guy and, and, and he's following in the lineage, but he had, he's his own man and he's a very different man for a lot of reasons. And his work is a little different. And that's where I think he's going to be able to stretch it. But I'm right that you, or you're right that you can't have him out there just doing the exact same Shibata stuff. And they've kind of towed that line a little bit and, and it could get a little dangerous if they don't, you know, make sure they, they, they kind of correct that. But I think he's great. And I'm with, you know, I'm still of the mindset that I would have him win this. And hell, maybe they had Zack Sabre Jr. win that match just to make this match even more of a big win for Ren Narita. You know, and, and that's very possible too. If they're really saying, no, fuck it, this is the guy we want to we want to make this guy important, then you have Zack Sabre Jr. win that match, you know, pin Minoru Suzuki and then have Ren Narita pin Zack Sabre Jr. That's a huge stamp of approval for this guy moving forward. So maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it and, and they were just trying to really, 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 really prove that Ren Narita is a guy they care about moving forward. But uh, I'm excited for this match. Should be, should be tremendous. Uh, IWGP tag team titles on the line. FTR versus Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. Uh, Joe, I believe that FTR will be losing another set of tag team titles. What do you think? I didn't see that AAA show yet. Did you? I did not. No. All right. So yeah, they did lose those titles. They lost the ROH titles, obviously. So this is the last of them. And, you know, Bishimon, they had a warm-up match against 10 Koji in Corrigan, just straight up two versus two. And you know New Japan doesn't book that way a lot of the time. And um, we haven't seen 10 Koji team in a while, right? I mean, because Kojima's been off with Noah. Ooh, straight up 10 Koji. Let me, let me see if I can find out the man. I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, mean, I think there was a... Man, the last time we wrote the book was what 2020 and i think that year they only had a couple if i remember correctly i mean they've been really putting them in just yeah let me let me see if i can find out exactly when the last straight up 10 koji tag team match was it would have to have been either early this year or maybe even now they would have teamed earlier this year i think oh july okay so they uh they did it in july they teamed against great bash heel so Real? What show was that? That was, was New Japan show? Road, yeah, in Cork and Hall. I don't remember. I don't recall. Oh, it's a Cork and show. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So um, now Great Bash Heel, they were on the World Tag League Tour, but weren't in the tournament. Like they were working non-tournament matches. So, you know, it, Makabe has been cycled down. Hanma, ever since the neck injury, hasn't been the same. So those were two constant teams that were, you know, Tenkoji and Great Bash Heel, who are clearly... 
cycled into that, you know, opening, uh, you know, prelim level veteran sort of situation. Tenzan did take the fall against Bishimon, uh, which was to be expected too, because Kojima's still a pushed guy in Noah, and he he's still booked with a modicum of respect in New Japan because he could still go better than these other guys can. But um, but yeah, so and that was a pretty decent match. It was a shockingly good match between Bishimon and uh, Tenkoji at Korokin. And, you know, FTR, their contracts are coming due, so maybe all these companies are just preparing for the possibility. So yeah, I mean, the smart money would be on them losing the titles, but who knows? You know, they could come back on that Yokohama show and do it. They can lose them on an AEW show. So I don't know that it's necessarily a lock that they're losing this match, but can they? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I I tend to think they probably will. I mean, this is the title I think they can keep for a little while if they really want to. Because, you know, the AAA one, like, that's kind of done, and I think they even said that they're done with AAA, and 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 who knows what's going to happen with AAA, and that's fine. Well, that can a- we can well, can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Be- because you know, Dragon Lee signs with WWE, and it's interesting because he worked that trios match in AEW, and they kind of did that really weird angle. Remember at the end of that match, and it didn't go anywhere. Um, they kind of like went off the air with it or whatever. Yeah, they unmasked him and then it went off the air and they're like, "What are we?" So it's like they turned, yeah, it's like they turned on him. And you know, Meltzer saying that this deal with WWE has been done for some time and it was just kept quiet. But maybe his family knew and they decided to shoot their own blow off angle, right? Because at the time, yeah, dude, it's that family, man. I can't put anything past him. Yeah, because at the time we thought AEW would follow it up like on Rampage or something, or maybe it was on Rampage, but you get the idea. We thought they'd follow it up and they didn't, and then he was never seen again. But now it makes sense as a blow-off. Whether Tony Khan booked it or whether Roosh booked it is, is remains to be seen, but it sure feels like in hindsight that that match was some kind of blow-off. And I know that Meltzer had speculated or talked. I haven't heard the audio yet. I'll listen to it later about the relationship between AAA and AEW uh, about AAA having wanting a relationship with WWE and how that may affect their relationship with AEW, obviously. Um, Now, Tony Khan will work with anyone, anytime. The question is, will WWE work with AAA if AAA is working with Tony Khan? And Normally, the answer to that question would be no. I don't know how Paul Levesque feels about this kind of stuff. We don't know yet, right? It's like we don't have any tests. We know what Vince's answer would be. You work with me or you work with them, right? But I am now hearing, and I have to do a little more talking to some people, that New Japan has something to do with this too. And New Japan might have something to do with the AEW AAA relationship. Mm, yeah, because they've been they've been fiercely loyal to CMLL throughout the years. And it, yeah, and and now that the new as the New Japan AEW relationship gets stronger and stronger, and with a second Forbidden Door coming and this talent exchange on the fourth and all of these things, the honor the potential honor club, the inclusion. honor club. Bingo. And that's the big one. Okay. So now New Japan might be putting their foot down and saying, look, 
you got to cut ties with these guys. And if you're watching the dominoes fall, the Dragon Lee deal, FTR dropping the tag team titles, um, Dave Meltzer saying what he had to say. Ty not, really, being on, Ty not being on that show. She was supposed to be on that show. Ends up Ty, right. Ty being double book. Yep. And, and working dynamite instead of triple A and being stripped of those tag titles, right? Yep. They were mm-hmm. stripped of those intergender tag titles. So that, you know, that's another domino. And the big thing is the honor club. And we know that there's new Japan involvement with the honor club because Khan said so. We, he just, so that's not even a secret. So I might have more later this week talking to some people. Um, but as far as for the show tonight, this is all I got. But it seems like there's a there's a, a strong possibility New Japan's involved in all this too. But the end result could be AAA forging some kind of relationship with WWE and just cutting all ties with AEW. But we'll see. I think if Tony Khan had his way, he would just work with everybody. But, you know, it's wrestling and there's politics. And obviously, the New Japan relationship is more important to him and more advantageous to him than the triple a relationship at this point oh for sure yeah so, if they say it's either us or them you, you pick you pick new japan for wrestling a thousand it's times. an easy decision it's yeah it's simple so it's something to keep an eye on and it's something to uh you know i i, I will try to follow up and if i have enough to put on paper i'll write something up you know on the patreon or whatever but um or do an audio or something but um, anyway, that they're, you know, New Japan could be the impetus for some of this as well. So and and kind of circling it all together, that's the biggest reason why I think that of all the titles that, that the FTR has dropped so far, the ROH title. Obviously, you want to get it, you know, whatever the next st- stage of ROH is going to be. But that's a title that they had because they had, and and you know, it's fine. Moving on to the Briscoes, moving on to that. The AAA one made sense. They had to drop those because it was just time to get rid of those, and and that relationship was ending. This title you could presumably keep on them. I don't think this title you need to take off of them this night. It's not like the impending, like they're never going to be back in New Japan ever again. That AEW and New Japan are never going to be related ever again. With that being said, I think it would probably be a good time for New Japan to take back their tag team titles and, and do something with them after you know FTR has, has had them, but but largely has been absent as well. And there's been a lot of absentee champions uh, in this company for a while, and I think it may be a good idea to just bring that title back home. Uh, and now might be a good time too, as FTR is in this kind of pseudo losing streak. Not not necessarily a, a full on. I guess they kind of are. You know, this sort of losing streak gimmick or whatever that that you know as they're kind of falling and dropping all these titles and dropping some falls here and there. I think it's a good way to kind of build whatever whatever the next step of FTR is. If it's either getting ready for their you know contracts to come due, or if you know AEW has a larger plan about doing a losing streak gimmick to get them you know worked up for and get them worked you know ready for an AEW world title or a tag team title shot. Um, but no, I, I think the, they could they could keep these titles. Presumably, uh, I tend to think it probably is just going to go to Yoshiashi and Goto, though. I think that's probably the right decision too. That's if they're favorite. sticking around, they're beating the acclaimed and getting that win back. I mean, it just seems obvious for sure. Me. Yeah, and I th- I feel like we're building towards that. If they stick around, yes, yes. But Tony has covered himself because he he ha- he put he, they put the acclaimed over. Right, right. If they don't stick around, then they ha- they've. You know, they put the, like you said, they put the acclaimed over, they the lost Briscoes all their titles, over. and you know, you can do this little loose streak thing, and then they can go, and then it's like, all right, well, yeah, so. and then and then in Ring of Honor, the Briscoes can say we ran them out of town, right? And in AEW, the they put the acclaimed over, and you know that that's how that's business, that's pro wrestling. Um, if they leave, if they choose to leave and go back to WWE or or whatever, um, 
I, I, I wanted to see this in 2020, but I, I, I would like to see them do a short run with the NWA one taping. I just, I think they would relish in that. They would enjoy it because they're nerds. And I think that they would enjoy having that on their resume, a short run with the NWA world tag team titles, right? Like they would love that. Right. Do, do, a, doing a match with Carrie and Ricky Morton or whatever. I mean, they, yeah, they'd eat that. Yeah, shit up. They would love that. And I would like to see them do one taping and maybe even not, I don't even need the pay-per-view, but maybe one pay-per-view, maybe one taping, maybe a Crockett cup, right? That now they, we're talking. Now you're speaking would, their language. They would love to win the Crockett cup and have a little run with the end. And I'd like to see them work with some of those teams in the NWA, that style. And I don't need them to be five-star matches. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, you know, I'd like to see them go down there and work with Joe Kazana and 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 fucking if Carino's still there and not in the performance center by then and and and, and like you said, the Mortons and get in there with uh, Hawks Ari. With, <laughs> with, with Labra not, a and, of, not a whole lot of talent in the NWA. Labra Bellion, yeah, Labra yeah, Bellion, yeah. get in there and and win the titles and do a title swap with them. I just think it'd be a fun novelty, and I think it's something that they would enjoy. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a permanent destination, obviously, but if they're going to leave and just freelance a little and have some fun with their careers, I mean, I think that's something that I would like to see them do. But um, that's neither here nor there, I guess. All right, so that was our 25-minute FTR Goto uh, preview. But I'll uh, move on. IWGP Women's Championship, Kyrie uh, versus Tam Nakano. Uh, obviously, the big story on this one is is not going to be this match itself, which is going to be a huge moment. Obviously, a, a major women's match on a Wrestle Kingdom for this new title that they created. Uh, but everybody is going to be waiting for the post match and, and and Sasha and whatever that whatever is going to be with Mercedes or whatever whatever the hell they're going to call her. That's what the focus is going to be is is, is what this post match is going to be. But I still think it's going to be a really fun match, a really good match, and and I'm excited to see it. And I think it's an important moment for New Japan and for. Uh, this this new initiative they have and 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 whatever could come in 2023 as well. So uh, excited to see what this is and it's uh, all all eyes are going to be on this one. And this is a a huge moment for New Japan for wrestling to grab a lot of Western eyeballs as well. I just got a message from Tony Khan. You ready? Did you? Actually? I said, yeah. This oh, is on the record. Okay. On the record from Tony Khan, I said. Why didn't you sign Dragon Lee? Or did you attempt to sign Dragon Lee? And he said, you could put this on the record. Okay. He said, I felt like I already had Dragon Lee at home. Drillistico. So there you go. Tony Khan on the record. I think it's a little misguided. I don't think Drillistico is the same quality as Dragon yeah, Lee. But, that's, uh, yeah. But that's uh, hopefully everybody knows that's a bit. Do not run the Reddit and put that on Reddit. <laughs> uh, let me make it clear that I am uh, doing this. I was going to say, man, Tony, what? Uh, <laughs> like, have you watched so- Realistic? <laughs> that, that's like Johnny Ace signing <laughs> the wrong one-legged wrestler. Like, no, <laughs> he signed Dragon Lee, not Realistico. <laughs> what are the odds that ends up on Reddit? Uh, 95%. That is not an invitation for one of you goofballs to go put it on Reddit. Right, because then all of those doors are going to go, these guys, Tony Khan's an idiot. Oh, voices are right. They don't, they're making stuff up. And it's like, yes. You know, so, this time they're right. This time we are making stuff up. So they're right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh, um, man. My anyway, heart stopped a little bit. I was like, Tony, what? You, what? <laughs> like, what happened? Tony. Like, Tony. Yeah. Like, Tony. 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 Tony.
Not as good as Dragon Lee. <laughs> um, what is the uh, oh, what is man. that ball? The, it's not. Po- is it Poe's Law? What's the one where when parody is too on the nose that it it's that, it, that it's somehow yeah I I forget exactly I know I know the word you're saying but I forget what it is. Yeah, I don't think it's Poe's Law. Someone in the chat will say it. Um, I think I was a little too dry with it because everyone in the chat room bought it too. Um. Yeah, so yeah, Sasha, I guess she'll either sit at ringside or I think she's going to do the come out after the match to challenge thing. I think. That's yeah, I, I do too. Kyrie's going to be in the ring, you know, celebrating or whatever. The lights are going to dim and all of a sudden, you know, Mercedes with some dollar signs is going to show up. And then, yeah, she walks down the ramp and, you know, that, that, that's what I guess. Yeah, I like that a lot more than like cut to her, you know, sitting ringside and it's like, oh, what's Mercedes doing here? Like, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't do much for me. So. I mean, you could have her sitting there all match for the camera to cut to her constantly for your little, for your tweets and your social media or whatnot. But you get the same effect if she just walks out on the. Yeah, I I think you have her walk out behind her is the big that whatever that name is going to be. You know, I mean, the giant screen, the fireworks, the money, whatever you have, that's all there ready for her, and that's your picture is her walking down that ramp at Russell Kingdom with the the name behind her and all that. Yeah, that that to me that's the picture you want versus her sitting in a in a crowd with a bunch of people wearing masks, you know, looking weird around her. You, you know, like that that I don't know if that has the same panache as, as her walking down the ramp with with, you know, the money sign and and the fireworks and all that sort of stuff. That's the way you do it, I think. Um do you th- what kind of reaction do you think she'll get from the Tokyo Dome crowd? I don't know. I don't think she's going to get much. I think maybe some oohs and ahs. But. Yeah, I'm not sure what cachet a, a Sasha Banks has in, 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 in Japan among those fans. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting because. I don't think they cared, honestly. I think they just want American fans and Western fans to care. Yeah. Which yeah. they will. No, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm just curious what kind of response she's going to get because we haven't really discussed that it's interesting so kari and tam nakano right sure is it nakano or nakano i I say nakano and i i'm positive this is one of those names that i'm going to say it one way 25 people are going to tell me no it's this way and then another 25 people are going to say no it's this way it's one of those names, so I don't know. All right. It's like Hiroshima. We asked many people how to actually pronounce it, and then eventually we said, all right, you know what? I'm going to ask this person, and I'm going to ask this person. And they're so people this- that you should trust, uh, like Ameri- uh, English-speaking people that uh, are very much related to Japan, and, and you hear them a lot very often, and they both gave us completely different answers, so... So this Kyrie, all caps. This is the Kyrie Hojo, Kyrie yeah, Sane. Kyrie Sane. Yeah, yeah, of course. Elbow drop from the, the pirate. Top. Yeah, elbow drop from the the pirates. Elbow drop from the top. It's right. got her wheel with her. I, I yeah, the sail, the fucking <laughs> the old wooden sailor gimmick. wheel. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You don't like that? Sailor Art Thomas over here. Um, fucking the captain Mike Rotunda. <laughs> sailor um, Art Thomas. Yeah, this is a, that would be. A great <laughs> sailor art. Yes. Yeah. What a great trios uh, team. Ch- a Chikara King of Trios team. Sailor Art Thomas, <laughs> Captain Mike Rotunda, and Kari Hojo. Right? <laughs> sailor. 
Yeah. He's, he has to have been dead for like 40 years by now, right? Is he dead? That, may have, been, that may have been. That may have been one of your most random. Like, I know Sailor Art Thomas. I am positive that 95% of people listening have no idea who Sailor Art Thomas is. <laughs> I love it. It's a whole. Uh, he died in 2003. I believe it or not, lasted a lot longer. Right. 79 years old. Died in uh, 2003. <laughs> Sailor Art Thomas. He's a big star, Sailor Art Thomas. Yeah, it's in, in my neck of the woods for sure. I know for sure he was in, 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 uh, in, in Midwest. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> he was a sailor. She's a sailor. You know, yeah. She, Smooth she sailing be, Ashley Remington could be their manager too. That's true. You get him in the mix. Well, Sailor Art Thomas is dead, so we can put Smooth sailing Ashley Remington in there instead, right? So we can still have our King of Trios team. Yes, yeah. Today, yeah, you could still have yeah, because because you can't book Art Thomas right now. <laughs> no, Sailor Art Thomas. <laughs> I forgot that he was right in the WWE Hall of Fame when you said um, when you said that's a Hall of Famer. I went, was he in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame? I never remember seeing that name. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. I forgot about that. In the Hall of Famer. What was that? Who know? who did his induction? What was that when they were doing it in like a a hotel ballroom? With no, 40? this was in 2016. Believe it or not. Oh, he might have been. They might have been doing that historical thing where they just don't do inductions. Oh, okay. Because I'm wondering, like, like who came pooping. out to. Although I don't know, you could have had like Baron von Raschke or something like that come out with them. I mean, he did a lot of stuff with those guys, so yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I've, was Bruno still? And nah, Bruno had passed away, I think, by that point. When did Bruno die? I mean, you know, actually, he probably could have had Bruno do it. Uh, Bruno died in 2018. Yeah, you could have Bruno do it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but- remember. I don't remember the Sailor Art Thomas uh, WWE Hall of Fame induction. Maybe Bruno was like, God, oh, uh, Sailor Art Thomas, he was a piece of shit. <laughs> right. I, uh, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, put he, in Sailor Art Thomas. He might, not, yeah. he might not have liked him. We don't know. You know, yeah. Bruno wasn't shy, you know. He, he you know, he, so it, who knows if they were even pals. I mean, they obviously wrestled, but um, uh, Bobo Brazil is dead, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have Bobo Brazil do it, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's a little Sailor Art Thomas talk. There you go, Sailor Art Thomas. Yeah, Bo Brizzle died in 1998, so he is he is dead, Joe. Yes. Well, I have to say, as I'm watching Kyrie Hojo here, it's just Kyrie now, right? No Hojo. Kyrie, yeah, just Kyrie. Um, against uh, Nakano here. I will be thinking about Sailor Art Thomas. I might be the only one, but um, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a Sailor Art Thomas match. I'm going to make it a point. There's your match of the to, week uh, after the Chris Masters uh, leg matches. Uh, the, the, yeah, I don't know how many are I out there. Yeah, I don't know how many are out there. Um, I mean, he he retired in 1981. So I don't know if... Uh, looks like there is... I'm on YouTube right now, and it looks like there is a 16-minute um, Sweet Daddy Seeky Sailor Art Thomas versus Lou Albano and Jack Owens. Because so we did a lot of stuff in the Chicago, and that that stuff can will pop up a lot. The Fred Kohler Chicago stuff, yeah, yeah, does yeah. pop up a lot. So this that match is available, and it looks like there's probably a few more from that '50s '60s Chicago run. The fact that he worked Detroit and that era of WWF tells me that he's probably the shits, but. I will obviously enter with an open mind. Great body. I though. mean, that just an incredible tag- body. I mean, I think he was a competitive oh, yeah. bodybuilder throughout his, his career as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, but just being in a tag match with Lou Albano doesn't sound too encouraging. <laughs> no, in terms of definitely not. Yeah. Throwing a lot of stars on it. You know what I mean? Um, 
but I will make it a point to watch some Sailor Art Thomas. Oh, one second, watching this match. I don't know. Is he all right? Can he, he move? Might, he might be pretty good. Uh, it's pretty grainy. So, ah, uh, you know what? No, he stinks. He stinks. He stinks. Yeah, that was that, that was Sweet Daddy Seeky doing cool stuff. Oh, okay. Because somebody tagged in and did like three drop kicks right in a row, and I'm like, "Holy shit, Sailor Art Thomas, let's go!" But then they showed they just showed Sailor Art, and he wasn't doing anything. So I don't know. I I shouldn't say that he stinks, but he's not sweet. I, he's not as good as Sweet Daddy Seeky, who who was actually awesome. You know, uh, so let's see. Say, oh my, no, no, he's yeah, he's. I have a feeling he stinks. <laughs> he's I, pretty just, rough. He's pretty rough. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Someone in the chat goes, I'll never forget Michael Cole referring to Kyrie's yachting personality. <laughs> yachting persona. Yachting, yachting persona. persona. Yeah, that sounds exactly perfect. Yeah. She loves to have fun. She's got a yachting persona. Oh, God. Yeah, because it's not enough for her to just be like sailor, like water themed. No, she literally is a sailor. You know what I mean? Like, don't right. she literally has to enjoy sailing the high seas. She can't just be, you know, that can't just be a motif or, 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 or her. Yeah, no, it's kind of fucking ridiculous. Is this, anyway. uh, is this Nakano any good, Rich? Uh, Tam Nakano? Yeah, she's solid. I think Kyrie's a little bit better, but I think Tam Nakano's decent. I like Kyrie. Yeah. I like her. I enjoy her work. Um, I've heard really good things about the start of match from uh, today. I'll, I'll, I'll try to check it out and watch it. I, yeah, well, I, I will right, do, please I do. Will do. I always filter him to you. I always filter him to you, and I will let you know yeah. if it's good or not. Okay? Oh, yes. Please do. Yeah. I've heard good things. Please, please recommend it. Anyway, IWGB Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles, Francesco Akira and TJP versus Leo Rush and Yo. Looking forward to that. Straight up tag match. Two great teams. Can't wait. Uh, they had a great match in Cork in the kickoff the tournament, the junior tag league tournament. And if it's anything like that, it's going to be one of the best matches on the show. I mean, so TJP has been phenomenal. I thought Leo Rush has just been great on the tour that he worked, and he has good chemistry with Yo. He was the best guy so, in that entire tour. The World Tag League, Super Junior Tag Leo all, Rush. all of them. Leo Rush, yeah. I can't disagree. Um, you know, so... That's a real sleeper match on this card that people who are parachuting in might not, you know, because your typical someone parachuting in who maybe watches the Wrestle Kingdom in the G1 final, right? They might not even know who Akira is. And they might be like, ah, TJP, ah, fuck him, he's canceled. And they might be like, you know, not be too excited about Yo. But this is a real sleeper match. So I don't think TJP is canceled. I think he's just considered an asshole. <laughs> right, right. He's just There's a, a slight difference He's just there. very um, annoying on Twitter. Right. I don't think he's officially canceled or anything. Um, but anyway, that that's a real sleeper match on the on the show. Uh, and then we have the Antonio Inoki Memorial six-man tag. Togi Makabe, Satoshi Kojima, Yuji Nagata versus Tetsumi Fujinami, Minoru Suzuki, and Tiger Mask. Uh, we also have the KOPW 2023 New Japan Rambo. Uh, as well as the exhibition match between the debuting Oleg and uh, Oia. And uh, we incorrectly last week said that uh, Oleg was the WXW guy. That is not who we were talking about. That- yeah, we fucked that up. We yeah. got to get um, we got to get Stat Boy to do correction. Who would be our Stat Boy? Like on I think Swink's got I think Swink's got to do it, right? Uh, Swink. We'll make it um, Andrew Rich. How about we make it Andrew Rich? Andrew, does he want to be Stat Boy? No. <laughs> and offer corrections no. for all of our mistakes? I don't like... Uh, think he does but uh i don't know like tony reality from pardon the interruption remember he was stat boy yeah and he would 
do the corrections at the end of the show. Usually a whole litany of mistakes that those two guys. Yeah, made. those guys were. It was there. It was a weird segment. He's like, all right, so uh, Tony, you said that the, the Titans were nine and two. They're actually eight and four. <laughs> Michael, yeah. you said that the the this team won the NBA championship this year. No, that was actually this team. It's yeah. like, man. <laughs> These guys don't know shit, but it's hard when you're doing it live. You're on the cuff. You're just going. You're firing off. You know, can't remember. It can't be perfect. It can't be perfect. But then to call them out, air it out on live t- TV. That's uh, that's pretty nuts. It's not easy. Yeah, no. but we confuse those two guys. This is the big Russian. This Oleg. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. Not the skinny. This, There's the other skinny guy, but this is, this is a big boy. Well, he's a big guy too. But this is like that big, imposing-looking Russian that's been at ringside. I think. So uh, I don't know. Oiwa has been impressive lately. Yeah. The, the, it's heating up those all Japan young boys versus the new Japan young lions. That shit's heating up. They had another match. So don't fall. I'm rich. Don't fall behind. I watch that I first I one I from, from October. I'm telling you, cause there's more to come. So, you know, this is your kind of shit. Trust. I me. love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, That's wrestle kingdom. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not super hot for it, but, I'm going to sit there and, uh, you know, am I going to have snacks? I don't know. Probably not. It's the middle of the night. It's pretty know, early. Right? Yeah. It's hard to have yeah. 3 a.m. snacks. It's, it's, you what know. am I going to eat a plate of buffalo wings at 2 30 a.m.? I usually, I mean, my snacks are, I just eat like four bowls of cereal. I just keep eating cereal. I, you know, cause it's like, I'm, I'm up early and I don't know what to do. And I'm kind of like hungry cause I won't. So, but, but you're right. I can't like on a rip open a bag of Doritos at 2 a.m. after I just slept for six hours. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, I just yeah. eat. I just eat cereal. I just drink coffee and eat cereal for like five hours. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it live, and uh, so oh, that'll be reviewed uh, next week, I guess, right? Because that's the fourth. Yep. Yeah, we will. We'll have time to uh, uh, review it. So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll be doing a show on the fifth. Yep. Yeah. Uh, people have asked about instant reaction live uh, TBD on that. We don't want to say one way or another. It uh, is dependent. We're going to see the scheduling of the show because uh, it's on a weekday and I have to go to work. So I don't know that I necessarily can do an instant reaction live, but we're going to, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we can do for you guys. But uh, fucking guy in his job. I know it's, it's ridiculous. Well, hey, if, if more people, I always tell people, everyone's like, Oh, what you got? Why do you have to go to work? Okay. If you tell your friends to tell their friends to tell their friends, all to subscribe to the $10 tier. I can quit this fucking job tomorrow. You say that, but what's your number? I got a number. You have a number. I got a number. You got a number. I got a number. It's in your head. It's in my head. Is it a, a, a dollar number or a subscriber number? Uh, probably a dollar number. It's a dollar number. And I will say it has lowered. I am joining the nurse's insurance uh, this year. So, Oh, you moved to the nurse's insurance. Just saying. Just saying. I'm on my wife's insurance. That too. makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Um, all right. Rich has a number. You guys heard I it. I got here. a number. They keep giving me raises, though. See, they keep giving me raises. So you guys have to raise the bar then, too. And then I will take off. Yeah, work. but you have to adjust your number a little down from what you're making based on the fact that now I'm working from home in basketball shorts. Right. I don't have to punch the clock. I don't have to drive. I know. No, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. The number's so, lower. It's no, it's lower than that, but yeah, you know, that that's gotta be the number. It's there. Okay. Rich has a number. Uh, Dragon Lee <laughs> signing with WWE. Do we have anything more uh, to add about that? I just wanted to at least break that out. Uh, he I guess signed we did there. Already, huh? 
Yeah, we did that. You know, he defeated uh, him and Drillistico, the uh, <laughs> Dragon Lee at home, uh, already uh, defeated FTR yeah. to win the AAA World Tag Team titles. Uh, after the match, Lee announced that he had joined WWE and he will start with the company in January, uh, beginning with NXT. Jace, uh, James Kimball. WWE's head of talent strategy and operations, Joe. You know James Kimball. Uh, he said, quote, Dragon Lee is a tremendous talent that will immediately add value to the NXT roster. This signing is reflective of WWE's renewed emphasis on globalizing our talent pipeline with Latin America positioned as a focal market. James Kimball. Who the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> I just saw that quote and I decided it'd be funny to say the name James Kimball. So that is James Kimball, the... Uh, WWE's head of talent strategy and operations. So is that a shoot name of someone we should know? Uh, no, I have no idea who that is. I don't know either. Uh, All it right. looks like James previously Kimball. he worked for UFC. Alrighty then. He's on Twitter. You can find him. He looks like a uh, maybe he's a Nick Cotton guy. Anyway, all right. So that's it. Dragon Lee still only twenty seven years old. Uh, hoping and praying uh, he comes in with his New Japan dub theme, but uh, probably not going to happen. So. Well, it's sad to see him retire. <laughs> I hope he enjoys Winter Park, Florida. I, uh, I for one, cannot wait for him and Zia Lee to post photos of them working out in various gyms across Florida. So, always be good. Yeah, he had a good career. Yeah, uh, you know, now he'll he, get uh, some great abs. Him and Zia Lee can show off their abs together. So, we'll see. He, uh, do they take the mask off of him? Mm, no, I don't think so. Mm. Yeah, you think? I don't know. Hmm. Do you know what Dragon? I don't know. I don't know what Dragon Lee looks like, maskless. So I can't say if that's a good idea or not. Does he personally invest in tights that aren't child small? <laughs> I wouldn't. Not with that. When you got an ass like that, why would you? When you got when you got a body like that, how dare you? Why would you cover it up? Okay. They might ask him to cover it up though a little bit more. <laughs> they they <laughs> might tell him we don't need to see. The whole V. We just need to see, you know, the abs are fine. The abs are good. But, yeah, we don't need to see every part of your penis except for just the penis. Like, it, it's – there's a lot of Dragon Lee out there, man. But, uh, hey, again, if you look like that, I wouldn't I wouldn't wear clothes either. Those youth medium tights. I <laughs> yeah, mean – They're, they're, they're – the, pro- the problem is he keeps getting bigger and they keep getting smaller. Like, he has not bought new tights or – yeah, they, they're – they're small. They are very, very small. But, uh Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Remember when he was Ryu Lee for like a year? Yeah, yeah. Remember he signed with um, New <laughs> Japan and then, yeah, New Japan. The pandemic happened, and he worked like two matches or something. Yeah, Ryu Lee as a New Japan. Con- he literally worked three matches with that 2020 contract, and then the pandemic happened, and then they just. I guess paid him for the rest of the year, and then that was that. He was in, wasn't he in Liger's retirement match? And yes. we, I think we came on the show being like, yep, that's it. That's the stamp of approval. They think that guy's a guy that they're going to build around. <laughs> and they were, and then the pandemic happened. So and they were going to push him. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fucking pandemic happened. ROH used them on those pandemic empty building shows. Anyway, um, you know, sometimes guys retire young. It's unfortunate. What are you gonna do? He peaked at the Hiromu matches in Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah, those rocked. Yeah, I saw a lot of people getting like upset about this, and I don't. I think Dragon Lee's good, but I don't know that I was like super upset about. 
about this. Like people being like, oh my God, WWE, they're signing like like A, they're not signing everybody anymore. That that's like an outdated, like five years ago thing. And t- I just don't know that I'm that like I don't know. Dragon Lee's good, but I haven't seen a whole really lot of good. him. I haven't seen it. Like he doesn't feel like a huge loss to like the wrestling universe that he's in WWE. Like I I don't know. Ah, look, guys are gonna go there, you know. It's they pay good money and they all got that WrestleMania dream, man. Dragon Lee's hitting the pillow tonight. He's he thinks he's main event in WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. For sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. They, you know. Guaranteed, guaranteed contract, guaranteed check coming in the mail every single week and 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 a potential WrestleMania main event against Roman Reigns. So I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so let's quickly go over. We got about a half an hour here to hit uh, some some major shows. Let, actually, real quick, let's let's preview this, and then we'll go into our Dragon Gate review uh, and RevPro review. Let's uh, briefly touch on the Noah the New Year show uh, streaming on Russell Universe January first, four a.m. Eastern. Uh, this one is Kaito Kiyomiya versus Kano, GHC Heavyweight Championship in your one of two double main events, uh, but the match that is going to be going on last, because of course it is, the Great Muda versus Shinsuke Nakamura. So that's a hell of a one-two punch uh, for this Noah the New Year. What, what's your what's your excitement level for Muda versus Nakamura? I know that seeing Muda again is like I'm with you. I've I've seen him enough, but seeing Nakamura back in Noah or, or back in 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 proper Japan in a proper Japanese promotion's got me a little excited to see if there's any of that old spark or if he's just completely just the guy we've seen for the last seven or eight years or whatever. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's doing the Muta gimmick, right? And, um, you know, seeing Nock back in Japan, very odd to, to be seeing him in the green ring, you know? But, um, yeah, I, you know, I'll watch it. it it'll, it'll be interesting. It's in a couple days. So um, it is on the 1st, meaning it'll be late Saturday night, early Sunday morning for Americans, Wrestle Universe, of course. Or your pirate site of choice, and um, you know we'll we'll talk about it next week for sure. I mean, uh, it, it's an interesting match. Uh, Kiyomiya and, and Kano, every time they've gotten in the ring, it's been fucking tremendous. And now they're going to be in the you know quote unquote the main event here uh, for this show. I mean that that I cannot wait to watch that match. I mean these guys beat the ever living shit out of each other, and I'm super excited to see this one too. I think this is a big time moment for them to finally. Sort of get that spotlight, have this big match. You know, I I feel like I'm <laughs> maybe spinning my wheels here with Kiyomiya, but it does feel like finally now they've they've put the Mudo thing in the rear view. He's off doing shit with other people that he came up with and, and doing his retirement tour thing. But now it does finally feel like they're ready to kind of put this thing behind him and and get going. And I think this is going to be a really, really, really fun match. Kiyomiya and, and Kano just have in tremendous chemistry with each other, and, and, and I can't wait to watch it. They've got history on these New Year's shows. And that's the thing about it. If you remember, Cano knocked them out on one of the New Year's shows a few years ago, three or four years ago. He won by KO. And then Kiyomiya, then they, they faced each other the following year with the roles reversed where Kiyomiya was the champion. And he beat Cano. And then they had another match last year on New Year's where Kano was the champion and he beat Kiyomiya again by like a KO, uh, you know, another knockout sort of deal. And that's just on New Year's. They've had a million other matches, singles matches, usually involving the GHC title. And 
they always beat the fucking piss out of each other. So this is one of my favorite matchups in all of wrestling when these two guys hook it up. I mean, they 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 always have great matches, hard hitting, and they have a history on these Noah New Year shows. So, I mean, that's the match I'm most excited about on this card, without question. Oh no it's doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Because yeah. a lot of the other card, we don't have to go through match by match or whatever. A lot of the other card isn't really getting me super, super excited. Segura and Kojima versus Kenta and Marafuji. I mean, that's cool as hell to see Kenta and Marafuji back together. But it's ultimately, it's not Kenta of old. It's not Marafuji of old. I mean, it's still going to be cool to see those guys in the ring again. But it, they're certainly not what they were were you know many, many years ago. But it's still Segura and Kojima versus Kenta and Marafuji is a pretty fucking awesome match on paper so uh, excited to watch that and then otherwise i don't know that there's a whole lot else on this card I'm, I'm super excited about so this might be one where i skip ahead watch the final three matches and then if i have time i'll go back and watch everything else but yeah i, I don't know that uh you know yohei and kz versus ogawa and has got me super super excited or i mean Ken- kenta and marafuji are back together and nobody's talking about it. right you know, and and um, should be a bigger deal, but I, yeah, I don't know. It speaks. I think it speaks to where those guys are in this point of their career, but it, it also just kind of speaks to how many people probably aren't aware of how great these guys were, and that's a big reason why we wanted to get them on the observer ballot to at least have people discuss and talk about this team because I think they're way, 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 way better and have a way better catalog than people think they do. Just because you know, if you weren't watching at that time, and if you're a wrestling fan that just started watching ten years ago, you, you know, you have no clue how good these guys are. But yeah, this is a big, this is a big time thing for them to so- be back together. Sugera and Kojima have been good. Oh, they've been really. I love that team. So that could be a nasty match. Um, you know, the junior title match, the Amakusa, which is which is Heo doing the new gimmick um, with Junta Miyawaki. I think Heo. Let me double check that. I get those two guys. Not High 69, the other guy. Heo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's an X in that eight-man tag. Any speculation you've seen? Who's wrong guy bringing in is the I, I have seen a lot of speculation towards Minoru Suzuki being that guy. Yeah, and you know, that wouldn't stun me at all. I Like I said, it wouldn't stun me at all if Minoru Suzuki's done with New Japan. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, Yohei and Casey uh, versus uh, Yoshinori Ogawa and Eita. So I'll be into that because you know I love me some Yoshinori Ogawa. Um, well, it could be, yet, match, you know what? I am into that match now because it can be yet another year. 2023 where Ogawa goes out there and has a great match adding to his, you know, the catalog of years where Ogawa's had a fucking great match as he continues to pile them on and on and on and on uh, forever uh, and ever. Uh, that guy was going to be great. He's going to be great. He's going to have to be great for like another 10 years. Right. And he's going to. Oh, like, he ain't I, done. He's not going to slow down. How you guys slow down a second? <laughs> he's not done. And the way he works, he can be good again for a while. Because, yeah. you know, he just picks body parts and brutalizes a body part. They did a 19 different turns again with the juniors recently. And, you know, they got out of that habit for a while. And now they're doing the thing where the juniors constantly turn on each other again. Oh, which great. Might be a, <laughs> Just what everybody wanted. <laughs> well, look who's back around, you know. So, I mean, <clears throat> probably has something to do with it. Um then there's some. I'm looking at the down card stuff. How about Tim Thatcher versus Jack Morris? Tim How about Thatcher, that one? Jack Morris. Yeah, that's in our preview. Uh, uh, I, I think I believe Paul wrote this. We have a preview up at VoicesWrestling.com, uh, and someone said, "If you told me like eight months ago, would I be excited for a Timothy Thatcher Jack Morris match on New Year's Day? I would ask you, who's Jack Morris? Because <laughs> it's like what." Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Who's Jack, Jack Morris? But yeah, Tim Thatcher, Jack Morris, just on the undercard of Noah the New Year. It, it's. 
It's wild. I don't know. Mochizuki's bringing Mochizuki Jr. and his crew yeah, to yeah, work yeah. an opener with Susumu. So, you know, um, it's a good-looking lineup. I, I think that'll probably be a good show, if not a little long. It might be a little long. It's going to be a little long. And that's why I'm going to do the thing where I scroll ahead, watch the final three, and then if I got time, I'll watch the others. And I'll, I'll try. Like, production value of Noah is always really good. Uh, it always looks beautiful. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's New Year's. Hey, you, New Year's is the time to to watch every Japanese wrestling promotion and say you're going to watch every Japanese wrestling promotion all year, and then 95% of them you stop watching after that day. But, you know, you got to watch them all on New Year's Day. Got to watch your Big Japan. Got to watch your Zero One. You got to watch your Noah. You just have to do it. I'm looking at the card. I'm not into the junior title match. Um, I'm not into that six-man tag with Yone Saito and Taniguchi versus Kitamiya, Anaba, and Inamura. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, there's the singles match with Yano and Ozawa. Eh, I'm not really into that. Um, the American guys, Ninja Mac and Dante Leon are back. <laughs> and a six-man with Alejandro versus Suji Kondo, Tarasuke, and, and Hiroki. Um, oh wow! Look at you. Uh, a little tongue roll too. You like the tongue yeah, roll? Yeah, I like it. You did not call him high sixty nine for the first time, I think ever. I think there's only like three matches that I'm decidedly not into. So it's you know the 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 match with the X. You want to see who the X is. Uh, I want to see the X. So I, I want to see I'm not the X, it. but I don't want to see the match. Okay, so once the X it's comes Fujita, out, it's Jida, Kenokashi, Nosawa, and X. So I get that. Once the X comes out, if it's not someone I'm into, I'm Xing right out. But I want to see who the X is. Fair. Okay, that's fair. So I can't say I'm not interested in a match when I'm clearly interested in the X. So that's a decent looking show. I think it's going to be too long. Here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to watch it live. It's going to be January 1st. I'm going to pull it up. The file's going to be four hours and 49 minutes. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, and and I'm gonna work through it. I'm gonna listen to my good close personal friend Mark Pickering, who I am a very good close personal friend. I'm of. sure I'm sure he's gonna shout and, you out personally during the show, and and also call you his his very close personal friend. Yeah. Well, he'll probably sub commentate me at some point, but <laughs> I don't think he's gonna shout me out. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be into it. What else we got here? All right, let's move on to, uh, we got reviews of two shows that we watched this week. Let's start with Dragon Gate's The Final Gate. Took place on Christmas Day. I know, Joe, you opened the presents. You said, hurry, hurry, open the presents, open your Nintendo Switch. I got to watch some Dragon Gate. Did you watch this on Christmas Day proper? No. Oh, okay. No. You were spending time with your family? Yeah, what kind of degenerate do you think I am? (laughs) You were watching basketball and watching football by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This is not 2014 flagship where I probably would have watched it on Christmas Day. Um, You know, I had shit to do. So, uh, no, I did not watch this show on Christmas Day. I told the kids, hey, wrap this thing up. (laughs) Not wrap it up. Unwrap this shit because I got to go. I got to watch the final game. But anyway, uh, it took place on Christmas Day. I also did not watch this on uh, Christmas Day proper. But uh, main event. Uh, Yuki Yoshioka defe- uh, defeats Ben K uh, to retain the Open the Dream Gate uh, Championship. I really, really like this match. 
Uh, where were you at on this? This was kind of a rebuild of Ben K. There's been a lot of time where Ben K has just kind of been on the outside looking in in Dragon Gate. Uh, he had this moment a couple of years ago and then got knocked out in the match, like knocked out proper. Uh, and then from that point forward, it's all been kind of just he's he's it felt like they just either haven't featured him or they're not quite sure what they wanted for him. But this, I felt, was a huge, huge moment for Ben K to kind of prove to everybody that, no, 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 I still belong and I'm still a top, top dude. And uh, I thought they had a really, really fun match here. I know you've been kind of in between on Yoshioka. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh, I like Ben K, and I thought these guys had a tremendous, tremendous main event. What did you think of the main event of Final Gate? I thought this match had three very distinct acts. Uh, they grappled at the start. And then in the middle portion of the match, they beat the shit out of each other. And it really felt like a very non-Dragon Gate main event in that it, it felt like the, the style of work and the style of match that you would see maybe in the big Japan strong division or something like that, because they were really laying into each other. And these are bigger guys by dragon gates. Right, right, right. I, I, I liken this to like a Sagira versus, you know, insert whoever match, you know what I mean? Whether that be from, you know, Noah or, or big, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those kind of 2015, Big Japan strong or, you know, Segura versus Suzuki type of match or whatever. And, and Noah, like that's what I put in my notes. It's like I this didn't feel or look like a Dragon Gate match for a few moments there, which is cool. I like that. No, yeah, because by Dragon Gate standards, they're bigger guys. They'd be smaller guys in any other promotion, but they're big guys for Dragon Gate. And then the third act was the excellent closing stretch. So as a total package. I really enjoyed this match. And for me, it was the best Yoshioka match I've ever seen because I've never been particularly impressed by this guy. Um, so I went four and a quarter on it. I think that Yoshioka for me, I just find him extremely boring as a personality. He, he doesn't grab me. I'm not interested in him at all. I don't look forward to his matches, um, but this match was really good. So I have to give him credit. Am I looking forward to his next title defense um, against um, who the fuck walked out? Shun Skywalker? Um, yeah, because I hope he loses because I, I like Skywalker and I don't like Yoshioka. But I know the company's behind Yoshioka. I don't think this card drew particularly well. Uh, two thousand five hundred and eighty nine. So I don't know. I don't know where that ranks. I'm sure. I'm sure the Open the Voice Gate podcast they'll they'll have some insights well, uh, on that, but. <laughs> Way down from the last pre-pandemic Dragon Gate, but uh, from the last pre-pandemic Final Gate, but that might be a little unfair because everybody's way down from pre-pandemic levels in Japan, with the exception of maybe Noah. Um, so and Stardom maybe, but I don't pay close enough attention. But um, you know, and and they were up a little from the last Final Gate. But I don't know anything about what the restrictions are anymore or anything. I just know that they're still way down from the pre-pandemic final gate. Um, so I don't know necessarily if this guy is working at the gate. I know that their attendance has been ticking up a little. I find him extremely dry. I don't think he has any charisma. Um, but I seem to be on an island. I don't know. He just does nothing for me. But this was a really good match. Um, it's weird because he does nothing for me, but I see what they see in him. Does that make sense? Right, right. Like, he, I under he, he projects like a star. He looks, he kind of carries himself, mm -hmm. but he doesn't, he's also doesn't have the charisma of a star. 
Like he looks good with the title. He comes out and you're like, that guy's a champion. You know what I mean? He's 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 got a good look. He's got good hair. He comes out looking good with the title. You're like, yeah, that guy looks like a world champion. But then there's not a whole lot else there. And I get it. I I I get. It. I I'm more I'm more with you on that than than I've seen from other people. But I do think his work is good. You're I more just, into his work than I. Yeah, am. I like yeah. his work a lot more than you do. But I kind of agree with you that he's kind of a dry personality. So Kai versus Yamato last year did 2012 fans in the same building. So they're okay. about 500 up from last year. But um, I mean, it's fucking Kai. In 2019, they did 3289 pre-pandemic for Naruki Doi versus Ben K. So, um, you know, like I said, down from pre-pandemic levels. And then if you go back any further than that, 3746 for 2018, which was Dragon Kid versus Ata, hair versus mask. And then before that, I think we're going to run into fake numbers. Yeah, they like no, 6, now, 000, now we're getting to like, 6,000, 8,000. Yeah, these clearly not which, real numbers. Which, which was probably more than now and probably more than those other shows, honestly, but um, definitely not what was reported either. But um, so I guess they're up a little from last year, but again, I don't know what the the restrictions were versus last year or whatever. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I, I, I enjoyed the match a lot and I went in with gritted teeth thinking I wasn't going to like it. So it won me over and I liked it, but unfortunately Yuki Yoshioka continues to not do a thing for me. I can take them or leave them. So, um, you've always been a pretty big Ben K guy though, right? I like Ben K and I like his new kind of like, this smarmy kind of gimmick that yeah, he's doing. Yeah, that, that's perfect. Um, Cause he looks like a smarmy asshole and he like, he's in shape and he's, you know, attractive. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put him. It's just smarmy asshole. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the match was, like I said, it had three very distinct acts and it was well put together. And I thought the work was excellent. I thought it was stiff at times, or at least came across stiff and very un dragon gate. Like, you know, so I, I, I did enjoy it from that standpoint. Um, and I thought by far it was the best match on the card, like not even close. Yeah, and then uh, that's going to be kind of my point is that the rest of the card didn't really do a ton for me. I thought it ended pretty good. Uh, BB Hulk and Shingo Takagi uh, versus uh, Makuta K- uh, Kakuta uh, and Yamato was fine, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, it was cool to see Shingo back in there, but nothing that spectacular. You got to go out of your way to see. Uh, the open the triangle gate, the Zebrats uh, defeating Suji Kondo, uh, Owashi, and, and, and Rookie Doi. I, I was kind of, but uh, I don't know. I didn't really like that match at all. I mean, there was a lot of not great wrestlers in that match, so that didn't help matters it's at a new, all. You know, it's a new Dragon Gate, and where normally these openers would be guys like Super Cisha and Kness and a lot of the rookies, and it would be four minutes long, and it would be wall to wall super action. And it would just be a meaningless throwaway match, but it would be the rookies getting reps and a chance to see the veterans. And it'd be very short. It's a different company now. It's just a different company now. And I, I personally have, am struggling with that. I don't like one word Dragon Gate nearly as much as I liked two word Dragon Gate. And I think the difference for me is this version of Dragon Gate doesn't feel fun. The, the previous version of Dragon Gate always felt fun fun without and they would tiptoe to the line of being too goofy and never cross it this version of dragon gate the fun factor is gone and now it's just 
this super serious wrestling promotion and there's just I don't know it's like the best comparison I can make is like you had this friend and maybe they did coke sometimes maybe they were an alcoholic but they were fun right but then they they like cleaned up their life and now they're not fun anymore you know they're just you know they're just they're, they're the same guy and you can still <laughs> hang out with them but uh you know you're not they don't have the wild times they don't, they're not as quick-witted they're uh or maybe if you have a friend that just went super woke you have any friends that just went super woke and you're like i can't hang out with you anymore like you're, you're uncomfortable to be around no, i had, like, I had more of the other one <laughs> the other side that you're talking about there but you never had a friend that I, just went super woke no, on i had you. more of the wild like, child that uh, then slowed down their lives a little bit so yeah like dragon gate like it doesn't feel fun anymore to me I don't know. And then, and, and just the openers are, di- everything's different about the company. Anyway, let's just keep going. Yeah. I, I will say the one match that I would definitely recommend checking out, uh, Kaito Nag- uh, uh, Nagano, uh, and, uh, and Kato. Those are the two really young guys that they have. Uh, those guys have gotten wins like very early on in their careers. They've gotten big time wins and they did it again here. Um, uh, with those guys, you know, debuting and getting wins in like their debut matches. They're only a couple months into their career. So, uh, two guys that they definitely want to build around for the future. So that's a Nagano and Kato. You're talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Well, that fucking that that Yoshiki Kato, okay, that Yoshiki Kato. Yeah, it's like I don't know. If, do we still do the intro where Punk says, "Do I have your attention?" Now? Uh, that's the long. We only do uh, special ones for that. Special special occasions for the long one. This fucking guy, this Yoshiki Kato, this is Dragon Gate saying to me, "Do I have your attention now?" Because I've been down on the company. This motherfucker is all. This is Joe Lanza, right? Yeah, here. for this sure. Yoshiki, I love this guy. Now. He's a little older, I think, like 26 or something like that. So he's not like super young like these other dudes. And, you know, but that's a dude where my eyes are instantly on him and I love his style. And, I, you know, this is a guy that, that I can invest in. They're, they're, now, I don't know if he's going to end up being good, but they see the same thing I see. Because this was a two-minute squash over two veterans. Like, like Mondai Ryu, they never push and fucking... Cyber Kong, nobody cares about anymore. But it was still a statement for these two guys who have less than like like Nagano. Months. How like many months? They've have? they've like, trained for months. They're this they're months into their career at this point. Yeah, Nagano's twenty years old, and he has like ten matches under, or more than that. He's got like thir- twenty five matches or something under his belt, and they just ran through him like a fucking freight train. So. They're not afraid to push these guys. No. That's for sure. So, so that's the match that definitely, if you're, if you're picking and choosing matches to watch, uh, that is one to check out. Just just to see that, because that's clearly a, we want to get behind these guys so that they, you know, they're just going to fucking destroy these old guys. Just beat their asses. Uh, so so that match. And then uh, Diamante, I thought it was pretty good in his singles match as well against Kota Minora uh, there. Diamante, I, I think, is a pretty solid talent. I'd like to see him in more singles matches uh, moving forward. But yeah, ultimately, like I thought it was an okay show. Uh, with the main event being pretty damn good, uh, and that kind of made it, you know, to me, it overall thumbs up show. But I, I, there was there's a lot that I didn't super love, and I was kind of bored at times watching this. But the main event did kind of redeem everything for me because I, I thought it was really, really tremendous. Yeah, um, you know, the Diamante Cota Menorah match. Diamante uh, was a is a very much a. Um, I thought he was a guilty pleasure of mine, but apparently a lot of people think he's really great. So I, I, I guess I'm not unique in that opinion. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week, I think. Um, the It was cool to see Shingo back in the Dragon Gate ring. 
and you know the match with you know obviously Yamato and Kakuta on the other side you know the former hip hop Kakuta um there to lose and everything um yeah I mean the triangle gate match was okay I I can't say it set my world on fire um you know Minorita versus Hyo was all right I don't know I'm I'm still not super high on the like this show was fine I I didn't hate this show I like this show and I thought it had a great main event and I'm really into this Yoshiki Kato, but um, can I sit here and tell you that Dragon Gate has reeled me back in? Uh, they have not. I need these young wrestlers to start showing a little more charisma. I know it's a lot to ask for a lot of them because they're so early in their careers and whatnot. The Dragon Gate's just missing something for me. It's, it's, it's the fun factor. I'm telling you, that's what it is. I, I get it. I get it. I watched that T-Hawk versus... Um, uh, what's that guy's name in Singapore Pro Wrestling? Aiden, Aiden, Aiden. Um, I forget his last name. That felt like a fun, old school fun Dragon Gate match. You know, you had Shima and the rest of the Strong Hearts at ringside. They did the the the, the ref distraction. A- Aiden and Rex, right? Aiden Rex. I wrote the review last week. They did the ref distraction and the like the train spot with the with the units fucking clothesline in each other. And I'm like, like, damn, this is what Dragon Gate used to feel like, you know. This version of Dragon Gate is like I, I don't know, man. It's like it's like your buddy became a born again Christian or something. I I, I don't. It's like the uh, best Joel, way I can. Joel play. Abraham put in the uh, note of chat. And by the way, Super Jcast, uh, he's the co-host of the Super Jcast. Uh, just released an episode as this show was going on. Amazing how that can happen. Uh, previewing Wrestle Kingdom with one Kevin Kelly. So there you go, Super Jcast yes. this week. Kevin Kelly joins Joel and Damon to preview. Wrestle Kingdom 17. Uh, Joel says, DG are a buddy that had kids and now won't shut up about his kids. That's not bad either. Yeah. I that mean, guy, you know, the guy was a fun party guy. And now he's like, you're like, hey, what's going on, man? And he's like, oh, so like Lexi is walking. And you're like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one cares. I don't care about yeah. your dopey kids, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah there's, showed there's, you his pictures yeah. of his phone. Oh, we went to Disney World. I do it. I don't care. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, that was Magic like, Kingdom. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, cool, sweet. Vacation pictures. Oh my god, uh, nobody wants to see that ever. Unless asked, do not show people vacation photos. So. And unless clearly asked, and not just like that. Oh, you guys went to Disney World. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like you know, that's not asking to see pictures. They will say yeah. if they want them. Anyway, let's get to this Rev Pro show as we finalize this show and finalize our 2022 output uh, on the flagship podcast. Uh, Rev Pro's Uprising 2022 from your call, the final your call show uh, for Rev Pro. Uh, Rev Pro, they've got to get this mic thing situ- figured out. The microphones on oh, this the- show were so bad. What are you doing? The audio on this show oh. was. <laughs> it's just popping every time you can't hear anything it's so loud oh and this is us this is us saying this is joe lanza telling you this yeah it's Awful. so bad yeah they got to get this because it looks good like you know what i mean it looks good it's it's well lit. It's in a good building. The crowd's hot, but yeah, we gotta we gotta get this audio figured out. Andy, please. I, I've offered to uh, 
Neil, uh, Eurograps Express host on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, he goes to a lot of these retro shows. I've offered uh, to, to to pass around a collection plate to get these guys some fucking microphones or a limiter or something to get this audio in, in, in check. Because I love these shows. I love a lot of what RevPro does, but God damn, do I hate listening to these shows. But yeah. anyway, let's get to these uh, matches here. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to start out with this. Uh, they start off the show with a uh, uh, the RevPro undisputed British cruiserweight title four way elimination match. So it was it was Robbie X, Will Craven, Luke Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what the weight limit is for cruiserweights. Um, I don't know if it's like the X division and there's no. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits. But whatever the weight limits are for this uh, cruiserweight division, unless it's over 250, I don't think Luke Jacobs is a cruiserweight anymore. In in my head canon, <laughs> he was he was allowed to defend the title until he lost it, and now he's banned from the division That's because there's no good head cannon, yes, because he continued to gain weight to the point and not, not he's not like you know, I mean, he's a bigger dude, it's not like I'm not like Rich, making fun of him, but he's fucking he's not a, a cruiserweight. He's a, <laughs> he's a goddamn hoss, is what he is, <laughs> right? He's not a cruiserweight. So then I was like, all right. Because Luke Jacobs is in here, and I, he comes out, and you're like, that dude's huge. He's not a cruiserweight. Get the fuck out of here. So then Dan Maloney shows up, and they talk shit, and Luke Jacobs says, well, if you want some, come get some. Get in this ring. And then Dan Maloney joins the fray. This man is also not a cruiserweight. <laughs> I'm positive on no. it. No. So you got little Robbie X, who's like five foot two, clearly a cruiserweight. This Will Craven guy is like 5'7", but weighs about 125 pounds. He's Very a cruiserweight. Mushy. Yeah, very much a twink. <laughs> yes, yes right. absolutely. Yeah, Luke yeah. Jacobs, who I don't know, is like five foot nine, but easily like two fifty, right? Um, he's a big boy. Jake, Jacobs is a hoss. He's a big boy. He is. He's not yeah. a cruiserweight. And then Dan Maloney, who's a brick shit house. He's like yeah. six. The guy's like six two, chiseled out of granite. Yeah, he's I don't know if he's that massive. tall, but he, he's, he's not a he's, he's not a cruiserweight. He's not no, a cruiserweight. No. And he's wrestling in work boots and jeans. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't he wasn't ready for a fight, but Luke Jacobs called him out. Uh, apparently, he's five right. ten. That's what uh, Rev Pro's website is telling. That me. sounds about right. Five yeah. ten. He's a, but the man he's is not a, a brick shit house. He is not a cruiserweight. He was he was he was working the men at work gimmick with uh, Mark Starr and uh, <laughs> and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, uh, fucking. Uh, Chris Canyon, right? Chris Canyon, yeah. yeah. Men at work with the fucking jeans and the work boots. <laughs> right. the That's plaid, what it reminded me. The of. plaid vests, yeah. He was just, yeah, he was just missing the fucking orange work vest and that little hat, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, he, he he joins the match. Two men who are definitely not cruiserweights involved in this one. But they were the first two men out. They were the first so two out. They, Robbie X got the win, so it's back on a cruiserweight. So good for them. They did the Heyman thing where, well. Jacobs was eliminated second. Maloney was out, and then Maloney came in and, and beat up Jacobs, and then Jacobs, he got... So they're going to do a Maloney-Jacobs feud coming out of this as Robbie X is now your new Cruiserweight champion and moves on to do whatever he's going to do, so... Be an opener. Um, defend the style of an opener. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, yes. <laughs> right. He is their opener guy, yeah. Uh, I'll, bunch, I'll jump around a little bit. I don't know if you have any strong thoughts on Danny Luna and Kanji. Did you have any strong thoughts I, on Danny Luna and Kanji? Yeah, I very strongly pressed the fast forward button on my <laughs> I was remote. Say, I, I you may have you may have missed that one. Uh, there was also the referral undisputed British tag team title street fight. Um, 
Speaking of fast forward buttons, I saw a table and a chair and I just said, I'm, I'm, I, I can't, I, I can't, Joe, I'm done. In 2022, I am done watching people hit each other with shit. So uh, I don't know if this match was good or not because I skipped it. Well, they were wearing their bunkhouse stampede street clothes here. So, oh, okay. um, yeah. no, I mean, once they got in the ring, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was uh, pretty violent. I mean, they, at one point, they fish hooked Chuck Mambo with a turnbuckle, not the pad, but the actual turnbuckle. Ooh, okay, okay. And you know, and TK Cooper was bleeding from the forehead, and and you know, uh, uh, Greedy Souls, which is Brendan White, who um, uh, you know, was was one of their, I think he was one of their young lions at one point, and and Danny Jones, they're the champs, and they retained here. But yeah, you know, you and I have both had enough of these street fights, but this one did win me over by the end. And to be completely honest, like it's not RevPro's fault that WWE right, can't right, stop right. It's, it's a me problem. It's not a them problem. It's just I don't want to see people hit each other with shit ever again. Right. It's not their fault, though, that the two biggest companies keep doing this shit, especially WWE, though. Uh, then a match I do want to talk about, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Leon Slater. Leon Slater is a guy that we've been talking about all this year. I forget there was a match earlier in the year, and I forget who it is against. I forget what month it was, but there was a match where I said, "Whoa, this guy's a, a this guy's going to be something." Circled him, said, "I like what I see out of Leon Slater," uh, and Ref Pro obviously sees what they likes what they see out of him, and I think Zack Saber Jr. likes what he sees out of him because they went out there and Zack Saber Jr. gave this guy everything he could possibly give him in these eight, 17 and a half minutes, almost eighteen minutes. They worked their asses off in this match and Zack Sabre Jr. did everything he can to make Leon Slater look like he belonged on his level and ultimately Zack Sabre Jr. got the win but Leon Slater survived and fought and survived and thought and fought and fought and it's one of the oldest most classic you know wrestling match structures is the the KG veteran versus the youngster and and the KG veteran maybe taking the youngster for granted but then finding out oh wait this youngster's got a little bit more than I thought in him the youngster not going away and then a vi- finally the KG veteran just saying all right no enough's enough putting this guy away and finally defeating him and they did it here and it rocked and I loved it and I thought this was really really good go out of your way to watch this match uh, mostly just to see Leon Slater who I think is going to be a big deal in Rev Pro uh, in 2023. What do you think yeah, of it was good. Sabre and, and Slater? Yeah, it's a good match. Yeah. And Leon Slater is a guy to keep an eye on. You know, there's there's some upside there. He's not even close to a finished product. But you book a match like this on purpose, you know, to get him in there with one of the best guys in the world and and someone that can give him a little credibility. And he's not at the point where he should be beating Zack Sabre Jr. No, and no, he, no. And God, he, no. And he didn't. But, for you know, for Zack to have, you know, a back-and-forth match with this guy – um, and for them to book him with Zack Sabre Jr. to begin with, you know, tells you what they think of him. So he's uh, definitely a guy in this promotion to keep an eye on in 2023. Uh, then we'll move on to the final few matches here. We had uh, Great Ocon versus Zack Knight. He was replacing Ricky Knight Jr. Uh, for the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight title match. Great Ocon defeating Zack Knight, so then winning uh, the title here. Uh, Zack, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but uh, yeah, this was... Uh, no good. That's all right. I mean, I, you know, they, he's, they, he's not was, Ricky Knight. He's not RKJ. I'll tell you that, but uh, he's not RKJ. And a lot of it was building towards the eventual RKJ great Ocon match. You know, RKJ got involved in, in, at different points in this. And, um, you know, so the story was that Zach Knight was just overmatched and Ricky Knight jr. With the broken wrist. 
unfortunately lost his title, even though he um, didn't even step into the ring and he's going to want to seek revenge, not only to get his title back, but to avenge the, the loss that his brother took here. And, um, you know, they were, they were telling stories here more than anything else. And, you know, Okan, I, I'm, I'm confident would have lost this match if it was just Ricky Knight Jr. versus Okan. But with that said, if Ricky Knight Jr. hadn't gotten injured, we would have never gotten the Will Ospreay Tomohiro Ishii match. So it all worked out. You know, Oku and Mills with their, with the, you know, they did the split and they're doing this big feud now. Those would have been the top two matches and there would have been no Will Ospreay Tomohiro Ishii match. So it was like a little happy accident. Because now Ricky Knight Jr. has this obvious story with the great Okan. Yeah, I think it's going to actually be a cool story. Like, I, I love that story of him. Like, yeah, hey, you know, you never beat me. You never beat me for this title. Now I'm going to get it. Like, I think there's a good story arc there. I, I like it. And it gives Lord Gideon Gray more opportunity to be just an absolute shitbag in that company. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it kind of worked out pretty perfectly, to be honest. Like, the, the match itself didn't deliver that much for me. But, uh, again, like, I, I, I think now you have a, a – a, you bring Okan back. You have Gideon Gray fill in the gaps in between. And then, yeah, the story is, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. getting healthy, getting ready, uh, and finally going back there and, 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 and winning the title back. So, yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, and he gets to be the one to end the undefeated streak and give Okan his first loss. And we got to get to see a really cool Will Ospreay versus Ishii match that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So, um, and how about Will Ospreay, um, you know, resting up for Wrestle Kingdom, not taking any bookings. But right back to the rescue when asked. Right. Right back to the rescue when asked. You know, it, it's... If it's to be believed, and I don't know, obviously Andy and, and I think it was Alex Windsor was on commentary uh, during the, the main event, but uh, I forgot the one. I think I'm pretty sure it was Alex Windsor that was on commentary, said that Will called them, or Will called Andy and said, hey, I think you, you, you need a replacement. I'm there for it, <laughs> type of thing, yeah. which is just wild. And that's exactly, you know, that's that's Will. I mean, he is that's Will. a yeah. super yeah. fucking worker who is just, and and them saying like, Will, you need a break. And he's just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, let's do this. Let's go. And, and then going like, out there and having that and match. Having that match, yeah. And then not dogging it, but having uh, another tremendous fucking match. Yeah, so, you know, going out there and having a four-and-a-half-star match and getting the, the snot beat out of you by by this fucking bowling ball, um, you know, what else can you say? And then, you know, Oku and Mills, you know, they had their big match. Yeah, it was all right. And Mills Mills finally got rid of that atrocious haircut. Oh, I was going to say, I, so first off, I like this match a lot. And second off, what a glow up for for one Connor Mills, man. Yeah. Well, So it was, it was the weird dreadlocks thing just like a troll to like build up to this? Where he would get a real haircut, like a, an actual, like normal haircut, and look like a normal human being. Maybe because um, I hope so. Because if somebody, if if somebody in his life told him that the the cornrow dreadlocks was a good look for him, I don't know who it was. Because then he came out here, and I'm like, who? I thought he was facing Connor Mills, and I'm like, that's Connor Mills. Holy shit! Look at that guy. Good looking guy. You know, got nice head of hair. What are you doing with the the dreadlock cornrows? Yeah, I mean, is he is he is he still the Jordan Oliver of the UK w- without the hair? Or no, do I don't think so. I, I thought I I like this match a lot. I mean, it was very like heavy in terms of the story and and the stuff, but I think it deserved that. You know what I mean? And it, it earned that. So I don't know. I, I liked yeah. this a lot. I thought it was pretty good. I thought Oku showed some nice fire. He always does. You know, in these types of matches, shows pretty good fire. I thought Mills was pretty solid as a shitbag. Um, Amira, who who got involved, was pretty solid as yeah. well. So yeah, I, I think everybody played their role pretty perfect uh, here. I, I I enjoyed this match a lot. I, I thought it was good. A little long, like they probably could have, and that's kind of an Oku problem too. Like they probably definitely could have cut off, like you know, 
seven or eight minutes of this match or whatever and probably been just perfectly fine with it. But uh, I liked it. I thought it was solid. I, 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 it needed that sort of heavy-handed story in it, and you got the girl out there and Connor Mills. I mean, the real reason that this match is happening is because Connor Mills, you know, Oku says, I'm not going to fight you. I don't want to fight you. I don't really care. And then Connor Mills knocks out Amira, and then he goes, oh, well, fuck you now. Now we're going to fight. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, I, I liked it. I liked it probably more than I expected to like it going in. I think Oku has hit his ceiling. You know, there was pre-speaking out, pre-pandemic, in the before times, Rich. A lot of people thought Oku was going to be the next huge star in, oh, in, yeah, in yeah. British wrestling. And no. There was even a lot of talk that he was the best wrestler in those days, which was absurd because he was green. and But he always had that great crowd connection. and um, But but I, he's a little older than people think. And I think he has hit his ceiling. And... I don't even mean that necessarily to knock him because he's obviously a key component to this roster. He's very popular. He still has that great crowd connection, but I don't think he's ever going to become like this next great wrestler. Who's going to pop up on a super junior tour. And, you know, um, I think we've hit the ceiling with Michael Oku. That's, that's my feeling here. Um, I think that RKJ has the higher ceiling. I, you know, I don't even think that's controversial. RKJ is a guy who I can see his career expanding beyond this and 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 becoming a worldwide star and all of those things. Um, you know, we haven't seen some of the other guys like uh, like JJ Gale or, or some of these others, you know, that um, work a little more sporadically. And now we have this Leon Slater, who's a long term prospect. But as far as Oku goes, I think he's hit the ceiling. I'd be interested to see what other people think about that. Um, I like him, but I think you're probably right. Yeah, ultimately, I don't think he's like I would. I wouldn't at this point shoo him in as like a guy that I want as like my top star or my champion or whatever. I like him as like a guy on the card, you know, semi main events, middle of the card type of guy. That's where he is. But you're right; people were expecting this guy to be like the next big thing, quote unquote. And and he he's not that. He's just he's, he's not. I think people hyped him up too much. I think people when when they this were desperate was thriving... to find the next guy, and that was the guy that everybody was like, "This is the next guy." Like he was supposed. A lot of the post NXT UK thing was like this. There's no one left, and it's like, no, there's this guy. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, hold on. Yeah, and and we didn't get Callum Newman or JJ Gale on this show, but um, Callum Newman I think has unlimited upside, um, and JJ Gale's one who we'll have to see too. They got a lot, a lot of nice young wrestlers that are sort of in this Rev Pro verse. Yeah, you know, um, you know, and and. Uh, you know, Oku, I think he's got Oku might be 30 at this point. He might not even be in his 20s anymore. Let me see. Michael Oku think that is 29 years old. 29. Okay. Yeah. This is who he is, I think. You know, I, I think we're topping out. I think we're 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 hitting the ceiling with him. So um it sounds like I'm burying the guy. I mean, I like him just fine, but um I don't think he's getting much better than this, is I guess is my point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there, but I, I, I think it was overhyped to begin with. Oh, to yeah, some yeah. degree. Yeah. And that's not necessarily his fault. I mean, that, that's that's just yeah, yeah. the hype train went on him. But yeah, I like this match. I, I, I would definitely recommend it. They did a good promo video, too. If you're trying to catch up on the story or whatnot, I think they did a good job of letting you know what's going on. And then obviously the main event was Will Ospreay and Tomori Ishii, And it's I mean, it's Will Ospreay and it's Tomori Ishii, And they had a 20 minute match. So what do you think happened? <laughs> it's fucking great. So, yeah, full on maximum effort from both guys. Um, And Ospreay doesn't have to do that. He can show up and have a perfectly competent match and 
play the hits. But no, they went out there and beat the piss out of each other. Um, I did see that somebody asked on Twitter. They asked the RevPro account, which I'm pretty sure is is uh, the promoter. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, about Global Wars. And he made an interesting comment that the ticket prices of uh, airfare from Japan has basically tripled. And to not get your hopes up for that. And they'll try to make it work, but um, it's just cost prohibitive at this point with the airfare as it is. So that was interesting. Um, but they got Ishii in here for this. Now, I don't know how that lined up with the Jericho match. I mean, let, let's look that up. Did he like stop on the way back to Japan going the long way or something? Like how did this, how did this booking even? I think he, well, are you talking about for Will? No, for Ishii. Oh, for Ishii. Yeah. Who the fuck knows, man? That guy's a world traveler. He um, always, they seem to always be able to sneak him in. Did they put him in the luggage? Or they just might stuff him in a bag or something. Like that no, so, okay, so he wrestled Jericho on November 23rd, and this wasn't until December 17th. That's they what I'm saying. They just flew his ass in. They, they just, just flew, they, in. Yeah, he always seems to find a way. Like He's just always booked everywhere. He's, like any country, any – on a second's notice, they'll get Tomorishi in there. Yeah, they just flew him in, I guess. Does he, maybe because he, then, he probably flies coach. He probably doesn't care, right? Puts his sunglasses on. No, because then five days later, he was working the cork in Christmas shows. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> I don't know. Now, Osprey may have just been in England anyway. Yeah, I, I think I, he's, he, he stays in the UK. So it's around Christmas time. So yeah, he so he's probably just chilling with his family, and then he said, ah, fuck it, I'll wrestle. Why not? You know, screw it. I got my gear. I'm good. But, you know, they paid the, to the, to bring in a big-time opponent. And Ishii just picks up the phone and is like, all right, I guess so. You know, just hand him a $20 bill. <laughs> I love that man. That man's great. Tomori Ishii. Fucking rocks. Anyway, there you go. So, yeah, one more notch in uh, Will Ospreay's wrestler of the year. Uh, just wanted to get one more in there just in case. Yeah, well, now, bald, now he's just, just showing Bald off. thought he could sneak his ass in. Get the hell out of here, bald. Yeah. Hit the bricks, now pal. Just, One now more for Will. Yeah, now he's just – this is just like, you know, he's on the 20-yard line. He's 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 doing the Deion Sanders, you know, the, the high kick, high legs, you know, as he's yeah. shredding in for yet another touchdown. Just like, I better than all of you. You know it. You've just completely wore your woman out, and she's like, just finish already. She's <laughs> like, we've been going at this for three and a half hours. Come on, Joe, three, just three wrap it up. Hours. You know? God. I don't know. I thought you'd relate. I don't know. <laughs> three and a half hours? No. Sometimes you go hard. Too late. No, it's bedtime, man. It take too long. <laughs> I have a bedtime. <laughs> Get out of here. Wrap this long. up in 17 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> right, yeah, let's hit the bricks here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I gotta got to wake up. We got forensic files to watch. We got forensic files. I got to go to bed. So <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> with that said, uh, that is it for us here on the flagship. That is it for 2022 on the flagship. So happy new year, obviously, uh, to all of you. We'll be back. Uh, next week, 2023, we will touch on Wrestle Kingdom. We'll talk about Noah, the new year. I don't know if the Zero One and Big Japan stuff will be out there by yet, uh, then. Probably not. That'll probably be in another week or so, but we'll touch on it all. We'll do it all next week on the flagship. Voicesofwrestling.com for previews, reviews, and columns. The Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, of course. I want to subscribe to that as well as all of the individual show feeds. Uh, everything is up there. Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Podcast about everything in the world of wrestling. Uh, we also have our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Voice of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. And flagship Patreon. 
Dot.com. $5 tier, $10 tiers for that. We got prediction shows, the week, uh, the year in review awards, the 2020, 2022 flagship awards, Goldberg 173 and one, many other things available there at flagship, patreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. So that is it for us. We'll talk to you next time. That's Joe. I'm Rich. Take care. Bye. Happy New Year. Uh, uh. Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.